Welcome to Wacker Slaps, where we look back into the annals of 2000s indie music to determine if an album or a band or even an entire musical movement was actually good or just a product of the hype machine of that time. And like all great podcasts, this is the direct spinoff of an unhinged group text that simply refuses to die. And as always, I am joined by the red wine to my sleeping pills and the cheap sex to my sad films. Welcome. Hi, fellas. Hey. I'm uh, your co-host, Noah, and I'm feeling optimistic about being Conan O'Brien's friend. Oh, wait, <laughs> shit. Wrong podcast. Sorry. I did Conan last week. <laughs> I was wondering when they'd get around to you. He's, he's gone through most uh, everyone at this point yeah. in Hollywood. Uh, and I'm Adrian, your friendly producer, and I'm not here. This isn't happening. Ooh. <laughs> And of course, I'm your host, and I have a kid, and Kid B on the way. Kid A. A kid. Why is Welcome. it called Kid A? I could tell you right now if you want to know. We're going to jump right. ahead. We're going to spoiler uh, alert. Let me do... Oh, uh, Caleb, what episode is this? Oh, this is episode 47, the illustrious number 47. Um, mm. 47 Ronin. That's a movie. That's a couple movies, right? Yeah, well, the the great Kenji Mizuguchi made 47 Ronin Part 1 and 2 in the 60s. Mm. Nice. And then Keanu Reeves was a starred in a kind of his little vehicle. He didn't direct it in the 2000, like 10 years ago, 2013. A big old flop, lost a bunch of money. I heard it has some like really, really egregious CGI in it. Huge flop. Yeah, I was back in um kind of a uh, the lean days for Keanu. Yeah, he, he had like two or three of those in a row, huh? Yeah, he was getting booked, but people just didn't like him. The the whole like you know stereotype of him being a bad actor was still kind of hanging around, mm-hmm. and we all know that's not true. Well, I mean, he's pretty wooden in a couple of things. We can we can admit that. I yeah. I like the man, but uh, certainly and. You know, uh, what is it? Uh, that Shakespeare uh, joint? Uh, uh, which one is much that? Much Ado About Nothing. Yeah, he's a little not so good. Yeah, some of the material he's given doesn't really suit his like skill set. He's a really good physical Fair. actor. Fair. Well, but the thing yeah. about Keanu is he always cho- chose product. He always went against really good actors. So like in mm, that right. Shakespeare one, he's acting against like Denzel and true true so he was always like kind of easy to like beat up on a little bit but yeah he definitely had his thing like i mean he's like a movie star that always has a natural like a forced naturalness to him like Hmm. Mm -hmm. he reminds me of like like gary cooper or something where he's just like it's like, what's this guy's deal? He's like barely even like there. Yeah. It's like, like, yeah, but he's like carrying like some of the best movies ever made. So like he must be pretty good. <laughs> I think I think he's great. I mean, we all grew up watching like River's Edge, like on a on a loop pretty much. So oh, yeah. 
Uh, once you get that, yeah. Problems. Once you get that, and you're like keeping your consciousness, and like as a cultural reference, it's really hard to turn your back on the man. You know, having speak recently, ill of him. Yes, I agree. Having recently seen rewatch Speed in the past year, I will say that that movie is good. That movie rips. Yeah, oh, he's awesome in Speed. It's kind of the perfect vehicle for him. No pun intended. Because <laughs> like you're saying, he's kind of blank, but it in a in a charismatic way and it kind of works because then you got sandy and yeah, she's got a, like charisma a cop too so it's like those, everywhere those are famously kind of dullards too, sure so sure like, well sandy that. i mean sandy bullock just she was the 90s charisma yeah especially in the 90s you know she's just young and just a firecracker it's like it's great it's great but that's the thing about keanu he's like Arizona why I'm not driving the bus. <laughs> he's like, I'm not gonna drive the bus. Sandy's gonna drive the bus. He's a he's a very giving co-star. Oh yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, similarly to the Matrix, right? Because he definitely sort of blank again, but there's all these character actors and you know, uh, um what's your face? Uh Carrie Ann Moss, right? And they're all kind of playing off of him, but they all kind of have more, you know, more stuff yeah. going on. And, and again, it's kind of, of meant for that role. Like he's perfect for that. He's I like that part last... when that lady's like, not like these. Not like these. <laughs> it's my favorite part. Speed? No, in uh, The Matrix. Oh, yeah. She goes, not like this. And not like this. Um, But yeah, Keanu's great too, because now he's like one of the few actors that's not afraid to like get his ass kicked in a movie yeah not like our our friend vin huh yeah where it's like contractionally you can't lose a fight or like be vulnerable or whatever right or or Dwayne. yeah or has any sort of kind of yeah yeah nuance you're just like forced likability just makes you like unlikable and like yeah not human you could tell he's getting old yeah he was just rocking out at bottle rock in Napa. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Did Dog Star play? They did. I think it was their first show in like oh, 20 years or something like that. I missed it. What missed is it. Dog Star? It's like grunge alternative? I think it's rock. Rock, rock yeah. music. General rock. rock. Yeah. Rock. They've been called uh, the Canadian American um, Radiohead. <laughs> you mean would... you mean like Canadian Dash American? Like, because he's Canadian American, that- yeah, I actually don't know where they're based, so I was kind of hedging <laughs> a little bit, covering all my bases. Oh, that's a good. That's a good point. How has Tom Cruise and Keanu not been in a movie together? Mm. That's mm. An, an unstoppable force meets an immovable object. <laughs> well, Wait. how would that work though? Because there's two. Like, there's well, only who one would be camera. the bad guy? Who would be the bad guy? <laughs> yeah, I'll no, tell you how like it works. Two hander. They make it's a buddy cop movie. They make like a once upon a time in Hollywood situation where <laughs> Keanu's the movie star and Tom Cruise is his stunt double situation. <laughs> yeah, and he'll do his own stunts too. So they'll like save money that way. Yeah. I don't know. You yeah. should do a little treatment, Noah. Yeah, you write know, that across up. Across the picket lines. Let's do <laughs> yeah. There's, there's, yeah, dude, there's plenty of work out there. <laughs> We'll do a, a spinoff pod, the Keanu pod. Yeah, there's probably like 47 of them yeah, out there. Yeah, that's true. 
Me and yeah. Kiki were doing like Friday date nights. We like Keanu night, and we'd watch a Keanu Reeves movie. Not the Jordan Peele movie. Oh yeah, what the hell was that? That was, it was like a, a comedy action about a dog. Yeah, yeah it's about like a stolen a dog. Stolen dog. It's about a cat. No, yeah. it's a cat. It's a cat. You're right. John Wick is a dog. It's not bad. It's not bad. Anyways, right. shut get into it. Out. Let's go. Let's <laughs> talk about the opposite of movies. Music. What are we doing today, Noah? What music do we are we covering? Oh man, today we got Radiohead from the year two thousand. Speaking of the coming. album is Kid A, which is their fourth album. That's right. Let's go for it's their fourth album. That is kind of incredible that it's their fourth album. Uh, but we'll get into it. Yeah, um, yeah, that's a good it's a good observation. Yes. Yeah, it's so funny. It's like their fourth album, they change so much. They what the fuck? Yeah, if you're not changing by your fourth <laughs> album, like what are you? It's like a new metal band or something, you know? It's like, yeah. Well, you know, it's it's all relative. Yeah. It was so funny, like people European press like freaked out, like where the fuck are the guitars? Blah blah blah. And it's <laughs> yeah. like, dude, it's their fourth album. These guys are in their mid twenties. Like, yeah. Did they have that much of an established sound that it's like? Yeah. Like, and well, then I it's think, all, and it's also like, about? and then all that Britpop shit, and all like the Manchester stuff, and all the stuff that was popular in England was incorporating tons of synths and electronic elements and dance sure. music and shit. Anyways, so it was like. There was such a precedent for it too at that time, you know. Yeah, but these guys were not the Happy Mondays, right? They were right. the saviors of rock, quote unquote, in right. so many ways. Like, okay, computer was supposed to be like, oh, this is the big way forward for rock music, right? It's it's getting a little electronic, but yeah, it's for the most part, weird. there's still riffs. Yeah, there's a little weird, a little spacey, but there's riffs, and mm-hmm. you know, it's it's it has a, a you know verse chorus verse structure. It's yeah. not unusual or doesn't have any meandering parts or anything. Yeah. So we'll I let think, you be yeah. grandiose, but yes. if you're getting away from, you know, guitar, drums, bass, singer setup, you know, you're you're gonna alienate some people. Oh yes, and they certainly did. Quite a yeah. quite a few. Yeah. Well, yeah. Adrian, do you have a review for us? I do. This is I think probably one of the reviews that maybe put pitchfork on the map. Because oh, so they certainly pitchfork review. Oh yes. So I think per, that per the pod. Per the pod. But I think that at the time, Pitchfork was, you know, building steam. I think if you were a young 20-something college kid, you probably were hearing about Pitchfork. But this is the one I think that really cemented them as being like the vanguard for the young people and the, the yeah. you know indie rock. In the internet hype. Draymond Green likes to call it the new media. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Adrian, before you read the review, I like to call this one of those classic yet reviews. (laughs) Y-E-T reviews where it's stupid yet smart. It's short yet long. (laughs) It's Mm -hmm. confusing yet simple. It's direct yet remote. It's isolating yet inviting it's cold <laughs> yet warm are you just reading the review now sort of i know what you mean yeah where it's like uh 
the land of contradictions. It's very much post-collegiate. I'm reading a lot of reviews, but also I kind of, you know, I'm, I'm still following this sort of structure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to uh, shoot my wad on it with every word I know. <laughs> yeah. And like every old, sort of point counterpoint kind of A good old-fashioned yet review. Yeah, that's good. I like that. Now I'm going to look in my notes and do a fucking search, word search for every time I used yet. <laughs> Yeah, and the edit it, edit myself. Anyways, Adrian, what what did they have to say? Over so there? yeah, so getting Pitchfork into the factory review, they gave it a perfect ten, uh, which obviously back to really back great. Tens. They did not get a best new music because it predates best new music by a few years. The album did receive a best new reissue on the collector's edition in 2009, which I believe just has some extra tracks and such. This review is the original 2000 review. Uh, It was reviewed by Brent DiCrescenzo, who was a big writer over there uh, at the time. And uh, I pulled just a little bit. And hearing this, you'll kind of get what Noah's getting at with with the Yet reviews. And uh, this is very much early pitchfork here. So here we go. Kid A makes rock and roll childish. Considerations on its merit as quote-unquote rock, i.e. its radio fodder potential, its guitar riffs, and its hooks are pointless. Comparing this to other albums is like comparing an aquarium to blue construction paper. And not because it's jazz or fusion or ambient or electronic, classifications don't come to mind once deep inside this expansive hypnotic world. This is an emotional, psychological experience. Kid A sounds like a clouded brain trying to recall an alien abduction. It's the sound of a band and its leader losing faith in themselves, destroying themselves, and subsequently rebuilding a perfect entity. In other words, Radiohead hated being Radiohead, but ended up with the most ideal natural Radiohead record yet. Oh, it ends on a yet, to he Noah's does. point. <laughs> a different yeah. usage there, but... Yeah, totally, yeah. I think, he, I think this does a good job of summing up exactly the well, position that me, Radiohead was at. Do you want go me ahead. to give you some of the yets in this review? Yeah, go ahead. It's cacophonous yet tranquil, experimental yet familiar, foreign yet womb-like, spacious yet visceral, textured yet vaporous, awakening yet somber. Very cool. Yeah, so it's kind of like just saying chocolate. It's, ev- it's like yet everything. Peanut butter. Yeah. Crunchy yet crispy. It's everything and nothing. Yeah, I'm a virgin yet. I've had a wet dream. <laughs> whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa, whoa. That's <laughs> that's the writer's <laughs> voice. It's not me. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I I think that yeah, it, it is kind of like that. I mean, you gotta understand remember, like at this point, pitch pitchwork is what four years old? They're yeah, they're still like in their nascent days here. You Awakening know, yet dreamlike, infinite yet 48 minutes. <laughs> pretty good um but i think he like i said i think they, he brings up a good point i think that at this point it really this sure really shows where they were at which is that they had gone to a point where yes they are kind of the vanguard of rock and roll the you know one of the most popular rock and roll rock and roll bands in the world and they were kind of resenting it they're resenting having to do all this press resenting having to speak and be like you know these spokespeople for the whatever the latest greatest you know trend in rock music is and so you know, they they kind of were rebelling and pushing back against that. And I think that that was scary for a lot of the members of the band. And, and we'll get into that. But as flowery and overwrought as this review is, 
I think he does bring up a lot of good points. And yeah, a lot of that stuff is nonsensical, just opposites and stuff. But wait, it, wait, Adrian formed that in a yet. Flowery, it's not overwrought yet. It's flowery and overwrought yet clear and, and precise uh, <laughs> on what he's trying to explain. I don't know. But he. Clear and yet uh, slapdash. It's verbatious and yet succinct. It's, it's all things. It's all. But I think that I heard somebody the other day describe our podcast as laborious yet. But there wasn't an opposite. It was like laborious yet yeah. long tedious. as hell. Uh, <laughs> Esoteric. What's, that word, what's yet. that word for talkative? Gar uh, Loquacious? Yeah, laborious yet loquacious. <laughs> <laughs> long long yet two hours expansive <laughs> thin yet reaching yeah it got her ass uh, but you know they were in a tough spot and i think that they could have gone i think it really was a point where it's either we evolve or we break up like yeah you know, I think some people wanted to go in the same direction and, and that's fine. I think that that's a comfortable place to be in is is a rock and, ba- rock and roll band with riffs and chords and, you know, standard songs. Yeah. But it's also at the same time, it's like for, you know, Tom York or whatever, like that just was not interesting or boring. It was boring. So this record, this, this, sorry, this review does a good job of kind of painting a picture of where they're at. Boring, yeah. And then, and then you know, it also speaks a little bit to like where the the fandom was at because he's talking about being at a show and how everyone's already kind of singing along and people were rabid for this record at, at yeah. this point in time for sure. And uh, I think it it definitely exceeded and kind of destroyed a lot of people's expectations about what they are and who they are. Yeah, they're, yeah. The, big, they're the biggest band in the world. In the world, yeah, and like. I mean, we rock often, band probably Maybe yeah, musician or whatever, but we often talk about kind of like the hype machine, especially when we're doing like indie bands of the kind of mid two thousands and stuff. But at the turn of the century, Radiohead was built up like this band that was like, okay, we had the Beatles. That was the most important pop kind of rock and roll group. Yeah. And now we have Radiohead. They're, yeah. they're taking the torch. Yeah. And it, and it was like a lot for like these, you know, 20 somethings that are like, we don't actually want to be rock stars. Like, yeah. We, At one yeah. point, they like they, they was listening to an interview with them and they were like, I wouldn't even consider ourselves a rock band. You know, mm-hmm. like they were pretty yeah, avoidant. Like, rock and roll is like boring. You yeah. Know? Like, well, I think a lot of the times, artists and, and musicians they don't want to be put into any box yeah even if totally. it's accurate because it, it, any kind of limitation or you know uh whatever you want to call it is is limiting right ultimately and so i don't think that they were happy being called the like the best band or the greatest rock band in the world and certainly the attention was not great for their mental health i mean these guys were definitely burned out uh, I mean, they had they went on a really extensive tour after OK Computer, and that certainly didn't help. And Tom York's being hounded by interviewers consistently, and and just the worst, dumbest questions. And you know, I, I can understand why he was like, "Let's fucking burn this all to the ground and rebuild." Yeah, yeah, it's all. Oh, yeah. And they're ultimately musicians too. And if you know musicians, 
you know, and a couple of us might count ourselves in that, in that company. Um, or maybe like one and a half of us might, but, um, <laughs> like you, you are a seeker of sound. Like you, like, unless you're fucking kiss or whatever, you have a very Catholic set of tastes. Right. And you're always looking for new interpretations of music and new sounds and influences and everything. And at the end of the day, that's what they were. They were just like these very curious, bright musicians and they didn't want to do themselves a disservice by just being like, oh, I have all these interests. I have all this music I'm into and all these things I want to explore. But then I have to like, I can't bring any of that into my job. And that's just like a shitty feeling that nobody, no yeah. self-respecting artist really wants to, you know, endure for much longer. Yeah, and be- yeah, that's, that's why this album is really special because they were like, all right, you know, it's 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 time to get out of this this box. And like it would the only and like it's being imposed on us, you know, by label pressures, by the media, but it's also like you can also resist that. At the end of the day, it's it's ultimately you have the autonomy and the choice to like yeah, to go in a different way and to approach your band and your art how you want to see it and take that risk. So Yeah, and I yeah. think uh Tom risky York- yet fulfilling. <laughs> yeah, and I think Tom York as, you know, the front man, he got a lot of like weird shit about his looks. Like Oh yeah. Like I he's think not a did. not a traditional He's got the rock classic star. indica sativa face. Let's <laughs> yeah. just put it that way. He's got kind of the lazy eye thing going on and I mean, I don't know what it is. I shouldn't say that. I don't know what he has, but uh, uh, we're body positive here. Yeah. yeah, I think he does have I think he did have something maybe as a child or something that affected yeah. his vision. But and, I mean, uh, like, yeah. like David Bowie had like two different color eyes, but he was a very yeah, sexy yeah. guy. And, uh, you know, Bob Dylan. Oh, is, that's why my know, friend's dog's named Bowie. <laughs> oh, crazy. Just got oh, he's one yeah, of those. There's I just that, got it. <laughs> there's that breed of dogs that have those two colored eyes. Oh, uh, like the Cuskies and shit. So. Yeah. yeah, I think it's like kind of in that subset. Anyways. I mean, like Bob Dylan was like, you know, like a Midwestern Jewish kid, but he was, he had, he was a handsome guy. Like, yeah, at time. handsome man. Sure. And these, and uh, even um, Kurt Cobain was not trying to dress like a rock star, but he was a good looking guy. He's gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. And Beautiful Tom man. York yeah. is, you know, he's aged to be a very handsome man. But at the time in like his 20s, it was like, who is this awkward fucking kid? Like, it's kind of twerpy, a bit gangly. Stuff? Yeah. Yeah, like is this the rock stars we want? And they're like, they're like, <laughs> is no. he a short king? Oh, yeah. I, I think I he think is. Yeah, I think like, they all are. Yeah, tiny, I think Ed O'Brien's like yeah. tallest, and he's probably like six one or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. But but I think they were like, yeah, we're like, you know. Oh, Ed from... O'Brien's six five. Holy shit! Whoa, okay. it's like that's like Thurston Moore. Yeah. Oh, but Tommy, t- little Tommy, can you want you want to guess how tall he is? Uh, five four. Which one? Oh, oh close. Bomb. Tommy. Bomb. Oh, five, five. Nailed it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. That's tough. But I think, um, I don't know. I think they got a lot of weird, like, should these guys be rock stars? And they're like, no, we should not. Like, stop. <laughs> like, stop <laughs> yeah. putting that on us. Don't put yeah. us on fucking magazine covers. Like, we don't, yeah, we're like, not. I'm not six foot five. Like, you know, well, like. They did. Sorry, like, go ahead. Like Joey Ramone looked weird, but he was like six five, so he was like inherently like, oh yeah, 
commanding. Yeah, pass as a rock star. Yeah, Thurston I think Moore. they lack that uh, charisma presenting themselves, but it certainly comes out in their music. And so I think people like wanted a lot out of them. Yeah, in a weird way, a lot of pressure to be like the Beatles, like. Mm-hmm. Like everyone in the Beatles, even Ringo Starr, they're they're cute. Like they, you know, they look like you can sell toys of them. You know, they look they're very toyetic, or you know, they they have a look. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And these guys did not. And it's funny that you we're talking about this because one of the one of the only promotional things that they put out for this record is for visuals for like photography. Uh, for the press kit or whatever, they put together this this photo shoot where uh, the the images were all airbrushed and per- perfect and yeah, like polished, that. and they look like aliens. They're all just like shiny and glossy and weird looking, and it, it's speaking to this idea of like we don't like this is the kind of shit that you guys want us to do, but we don't believe in that, so we're gonna fucking make fun of it and make it make it look as grotesque and bizarre and otherworldly as it is because this is not reality and this is what yeah. they're selling you. Adrian, what was that? It was was it a music video or like some promotional thing or do, on the documentary or something where it was Tom York posing for like Spin magazine and then they like fixed his eye and made his face. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so that you know. It's show it's it's showing how much of an illusion all of that shit is. How much of it is marketing and bullshit to yeah. sell you, you know. Ultimately, which the important thing is, which is the art. And, yeah, you know, it's and they they grew up being you know punk rockers listening yeah. to weird, you know, weirdo music, and so like a lot of musicians, it's like I want to be a weird guy. Like I don't want to be the popular sex symbol guy. Like, yeah. That's just well, like not my bag. What was cool, and we were when I was listening to this other podcast about them that we, you know, shall not name, no free advertisement. <laughs> um, they were talking about how they like are from Yorkfordshire, but they didn't go to o- Oxfordshire, but they're just townies, right? Yeah. And they're a they whole townie vibe, yeah. And their whole um anxiety around being English rock stars, where they knew that most English rock stars are fucking like unsufferable rich kids, and so you know, being at Oxford is like the most elite university probably in the world. Yeah. Right. They're surrounded by a bunch of just kind of vapid, you know, smart, but like rich assholes. And they didn't really want to, you know, be attached to that. So they had this kind of it's England. So it's like, you well, all they did. Yeah. This... A boys school after all, you know. Yeah, that's true. But, English. but there's still like the the class anxiety in England is. Oh, yeah. There's, there's a lot of gradients to it. Right. Oh, so yeah. like so they knew that like the Rolling Stones were all suburban rich kids. Right. And they're like, well, if we get lumped into that, you know, are we going to. Are we going to lose our, you know, our bona fides or like mm-hmm. kind of what our, our true to our identity of just being dorky, you know, musicians, like kids who are just like deeply into music, you know? The and lads. Like, yeah, the lads. So, yeah. I thought, that, I thought that was like a kind of neat little kernel. Oh, yeah. yeah for sure. Yeah. This band. But anyways, what's, uh, we got some uh, album background on this? Yeah. On this monster? I... There is a lot, so I try to keep it pretty focused and trim. So let's get through, let's get through this, and we can start really digging into the music. But and a little from... behind the curtain for our listeners, we have a timer going right now. <laughs> it's a little inside baseball for you all, so we're gonna see how this goes. <laughs> so let's see if we get a little curt at times. We're just trying to honor that, you know, honor that clock, listener. Yeah, <laughs> we're Kurt, doing it for yeah. you. The listener. We're doing it for you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
Kurt is casual. Ooh, nice. <laughs> so yeah, so getting into some of the background here. So from the top, Kid A was recorded from, uh, I'll say this in the English way, 4th of January, 1999 to 18th of April of 2000 nice. at Guillaume Tell in Paris, Medley in Copenhagen, Ooh. and Ooh. Uh, a studio in Gloucestershire that I don't have the name of, and then uh, Radiohead's own studio in Oxfordshire, the aforementioned Oxfordshire. And it was produced by the band themselves, Radiohead, who is Tom York, Johnny Greenwood, Phil Selway, Ed O'Brien, and Colin Greenwood, along with Nigel Godrich, who is their longtime producer. I think he's produced essentially all of their records since, I think, OK Computer or The Benz. I think he was an engineer on The Benz, maybe. But he's been with the band for a long time. He's worked with a lot of huge, huge artists, just to name a couple here, Beck. He worked with Air. He worked with Paul McCartney. He's done a lot of Tom's solo Lady stuff. Lips, right? Uh, oh yeah, I think he has worked with them. Yes. So he's he's been out there and done a lot of different things. He's he was in that super group too for briefly. Uh, Adam Trapeze, Ultraista, or something like that. I can't recall. No, the the other one. He did record the Adam Trapeze record though, I believe. Nice. Yeah. So the record was released by Parlophone Records on the second of October, the year two thousand. Uh, and also uh, by Capitol Records, I believe, in the U.S. Parlophone is a U.K.-based record label, I believe. It is their fourth studio album, as we mentioned. Um, and as we were kind of talking about following the release and touring around OK Computer, the members of the band were feeling burnt out. Tom York had become ill. He was becoming wary of all these new acts who had sprung up that sounded just like Radiohead. Uh, he was getting sick of the music media's intrusions on his life, so he was really just in a bad in bad shape. I think he he was sort of having a breakdown at this point, um, yeah. and he was also suffering from writer's block and completely disillusioned with rock music. At this time, he was kind of just turned his back on rock music essentially, and just like I'm going to just listen to electronic music. And so he what got. What year deep... did Kurt Cobain die? That was like ninety ninety four ninety four ninety four. I think maybe he felt kind of that a little bit. Like, I don't want to be anybody's mm. role model kind of. I don't want that pressure. Yeah. 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 Voice of a generation kind of yeah. bullshit. Yeah. For sure. And, you know, this is all contributing to, to his feelings at the time. And, you know, obviously his, his desire to kind of look, seek out something new. So he got really deep in electronic music. He loved you know, a lot of the artists from the Warp label, which we've talked about a lot before, mm. we're big fans of. So artists like Aphex Twin, like Autiker, yeah. you know, uh, artists that are kind of 180 from what Radiohead is at this point in time. So the whole group, including Nigel Godrick, they they struggled, they struggled with this kind of new rockless direction that Tom York wanted to go in. And according to York, Godrick actually said, he didn't understand why if they had such strength in one thing, they wanted to do something else, which is a completely fair point. Yeah. You know, they, they were an excellent rock band. Like, why are you going to do suddenly throw that all out the window? Johnny Greenwood was fearful that they would put together something that was awful. Our rock nonsense just for its own sake, which is funny because I think that's exactly what a lot of yeah, critics panned. <laughs> yeah. Like that's exactly what they punctured the record with, with that kind of, it's all just, art artsy bullshit um, uh, yeah and that was a lot of the folly of a lot of bands that came after them mm -hmm. it was like this is our third album let's make the crazy experimental yeah. one and like, i yeah. think there was Nobody this wants that incorrect perception of what 
and uh, electronic music you know was getting like hip-hop has always gotten this i don't know if it's similar over in europe with like dance music and stuff but like mm. critics literally think anything that doesn't have guitar and like live instrumentation is it it's just clicking a button pressing play you know it's just Mm -hmm. dragging mouse you know and they think that like they think the there's a lack of integrity in the process and so like i know this album was called like lazy or they were going out of their way to not make good music you know and oh yeah at that time for sure yeah yeah i feel like there was this very incorrect perception you're just like oh it's computer music. it's it's how hard can it be you make it on a computer or like even up until you know the the early 2010s like bands would get yeah. panned for having a laptop on stage or whatever but it's like that goes back mm. to all art caleb where it's yeah. like it's that goes like you know like uh, uh miles davis is like making this fucking noise it's like yeah, yeah he also trained at juilliard he knows yeah. how to play like Stravinsky i'd like to see you do that on piano he can play classical music or andy warhol paints soup cans he's like yeah, but he knows how to like draw a photo, realistic photo, or you know, like that mm-hmm. always happens, like with yeah, with, with everything, like yeah, but people who don't, when they don't necessarily understand something, they'll just reduce yeah. it. Yeah, sure, yeah. Oh. I think, and I think that that's exactly what happened here. I think that they were they just got, and for sure, that was kind of the predominant uh, mentality around the time. Is that if it wasn't, yeah, if it wasn't like organic instruments, it was not authentic. Or mm-hmm. whatever, which again is just foolish and dumb, and it leads to a lot of gatekeeping and unnecessary just uh, shutting shutting off avenues that are just why would you do that? Like, there's so much good art out there that's yes, I mean, and and obviously it's a different medium like using computers, and it's completely different. But that doesn't mean it's lesser or that's you know it, it's just a different way to get at that art. And as long as the end sure. piece is is a solid piece of art, like who cares how it came about? Uh, it's just foolish to focus on that shit. But anyways, the so a lot of the members of the band were kind of like, you know, what what are we going to do? How are we going to fit into this new kind of, you know, this this new normal of of the band? So like, you know, Ed O'Brien specifically was like, I'm I'm a guitarist. Like, how the fuck am I going to fit in here now that we're using synths and drum machines and shit? And so, you know, they they ended up kind of experimenting each of them with synthesizers, famously. Uh, Johnny Greenwood picked up the Andes Martinet, Martineau, I think. Andes Martineau. I don't know how to say it, but it's a, it's basically it's a kind of a keyboard with like a little slider that you put your finger on. And it's very similar to a theremin, if you know what that is, which is mm-hmm. like the, the woo. So that's what kind that of, is. I thought it was theremin on this album, but yeah, very similar and kind of like an electronic signal being manipulated, just a little different. Um, it's like very electronic, like a lap steel or something almost. Yeah, very, very much kind of that vibe of, of yeah. kind of spacey, haunting, delay kind of thing. And they also used, as we mentioned, Cubase and Pro Tools on the on computer to manipulate and edit the recordings. But they were finding it really difficult to work with these electronic instruments as a group. I mean, which makes sense, you know, uh, working on a computer is kind of a very singular thing. It's hard to do a group thing with a laptop in your face or whatever, a, a monitor. So they would I don't go know. off. I find my community on the computer every day. It's, I find it fair. I mean, we're literally all on a computer right now. Yeah, touche, touche. Uh, yeah. But they would veer off into their own corners and build little, you know, ideas and things. Um, and then later they did a, a little experiment where they split up into two groups. 
which didn't ultimately end up in any like anything that they could use recording wise, but it did kind of it was a proof of concept of like, yeah. okay, we can actually do this using this instrumentation and building these songs in this way. Did they have but, names, the two groups? <laughs> you mean like That'd Team Tom or Team Team Ed or something? I don't know, maybe. <laughs> um uh, I hope so. Uh, but they, yeah, so FM, they FM and AM or something. <laughs> yeah, they made like shirts, analog and digital, head uh, and body, <laughs> maybe. But they Indie body, they struggled with the recording, and so they they moved through a, a variety of studios, as we mentioned. But they ultimately had very little to show for that time and effort through the various studios, and I think they found it really difficult to work with out of deadline and with with just kind of incomplete ideas that Tom York had brought. Uh, you know, in, in prior instances, he had kind of brought more fully fleshed out ideas and songs. And that was kind of a jumping off point for the rest of the band. That wasn't really happening here. So they held a lot of tense meetings about the direction of the band. And they ultimately came to the decision that if they couldn't agree on an album worth releasing, they would break up, which is pretty oh, drastic. Damn. But put some I, stakes on it. Yeah. But you like, once you put that on there, then yeah, then, then it really matters. And so, they were able to move past it, and and by t- the year two thousand, guys, if this isn't the best podcast that we do, this episode, we're <laughs> we calling it disbanding. Yeah, yeah. Oof, high pressure. Listeners, we'll, we'll like have to we'll have to depod. <laughs> so up to uh, you. <laughs> but yeah, so by by early two thousand, they had six complete songs, which doesn't sound like a lot considering they had been working for a year. But you have to understand they're they're really evolving their sound and finding it in the studio. So it's, it's it's a lot of work to get to those six songs, but once that's completed, then it kind of all started coming together. And so by April, York announces that the recording was finished on the Radiohead website, and they ultimately came up with about 20 songs completed. They initially considered making it a double album, but instead they held some of the songs back for another release, 2001's Amnesiac. And Tom York explained that they decided to split it because the songs, uh, they cancel each other out as overall finished things, which I think is, if you listen to the two records, is a a very true statement. And he continues here, they come from two different places. Uh, So they... Eventually, they they agreed on a track list, but I guess it was pretty contentious, and they nearly broke up just trying to figure out how to put the two records together or how to put this one record, this first record together. But again, they resolved any of these disputes, like all these disputes, and the album was mastered at Abbey Road Studios in London, speaking of the Beatles. Uh, The album's artwork was created by the band's longtime collaborator, Stanley Donwood, who we already mentioned. He painted large canvases with knives and sticks and then photographed the paintings and manipulated them in Photoshop. And they definitely have a very unique and kind of... (laughs) So that guy's been doing artwork for Radiohead for like 30 years Since their Since their first EP, yes. Dude, Adrian, you need to find... (laughs) Find my Radiohead. What a fucking sick job that is. It's like yeah, that's kind jobs. of that's like a dream job for sure. Sixth, seventh member of Radiohead. I just I make a bunch of cool merch and do all these album covers, all this iconic shit. Yes, and speaking of, uh a lot of the stuff that he came up with, the you know, the mountains, the bears specifically, they became kind of motifs in Radiohead's artwork for like the rest of the time. You know, they you've seen that stuff repeated. Certainly the oh. bear became a huge symbol for them, um, which was and created this guy's this era. artwork 
like between uh, OK Computer, Kid A, and Amnesiac, this guy got robbed over and over again for sort of kind of a, a, a type of indie rock album cover. Like people mm-hmm. are constantly trying to have the same aesthetic. Very influential for sure. Getting back to the title of the record, which we kind of touched on earlier, it actually comes from a file name on one of Tom York's sequencers. He liked the non-meaning, explaining <laughs> that if you call an album something specific, it drives the record in a certain way, which is, I agree. Yeah. Uh, and it's also interesting to consider they later named a record Hail to the Thief, which is so spot on for a record released in 2004. But not my Radiohead... president. Hashtag not my president. <laughs> not my bush. Radiohead intentionally wanted to minimize their involvement in the promotion of this record. They released no singles for the album, which is a huge, huge move for a band this big at that time. Uh, it's so strange because the album feels like it has like five singles that well yeah. they did feel so like to iconic be fair, songs yeah yeah of course and iconic radiohead songs that become you know kind of yeah. mainstays of their sets but they did release sort of uh promo kind of things not singles but th- they released the songs as promos at the radio stations across the country music videos right to though, too well so okay so instead of actual music videos they drop these little 10 second or 15 second what they called blips oh, online I and it was just this. like yeah. yeah me too so if it had a lot of like the the artwork from the album including like the bear stuff i think that was kind of the first time i saw the bear in my memory they were like og nfts <laughs> oh god yeah <laughs> remember Thank those god that's over yeah. i don't know i still got seth green some of them oh <laughs> shit cut that out <laughs> <laughs> wow what a obscure reference to a year ago um <laughs> and so they also created an internet app this is this is re- they're really early on in terms of like internet and releasing music but so they they created an internet app that allowed fans to embed their the a stream of the record on their own sites which is really forward thinking and really cool i i remember seeing the widget uh, on different like you know fan sites and stuff and just being like oh that's right that's incredible uh it's it's you know i'd, I'd never thought about how this could work and... i kind of miss that like that just that sturdy gray like bar you know <laughs> they used to play there's something like really comforting uh, about the design the of that real thing. player yeah yeah well, remember radiohead yeah what you just said that like harkens back to the days of like fans like like a street team yeah you know? yeah kind of like like remember like um at around this same time when um beastie boys had that documentary like fuck i shot that where they just gave all their fans camcorders and stuff Mm -hmm. like that really cool version of interacting with fans right before it all went completely to shit Uh, now it seems like interact with me here's too much four thousand dollar nft we know too much about (laughs) each other and that well you know the swifties did form a union so that's <laughs> that's that's the thing that happened. We're pro union, but uh, not not the Taylor Swift. <laughs> There's yeah. limits, people. They need to break that up. Well, you hear about uh, the the Swift averse? How they got like some random ass book to like be a bestseller because they thought Taylor Swift ghost wrote it. Uh, yeah, read into it. There's like a oh, whole like QAnon type subset of Swifties out there. It's like, like those. Yeah those marvel fans who haven't seen 
another movie besides Marvel, and <laughs> yeah. they think every movie is like, is this an Easter egg for fucking whatever? <laughs> Dr. <laughs> Dumbfuck? Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. What a, this what a terrible a time movie? we live in. What yeah, a stupid, stupid. But I world. think, well, yeah, I think what we're all trying to say is like that, like the the toxic, just just the most toxic parts mm-hmm. and lame parts of like that cool fan interactive like fan club subculture has yeah. has stuck around. But I think yep. that's kind of what we were getting at with Radiohead. They were sort of, I mean, they were on a major label and toured and was were on Conan O'Brien and shit. It's not like they weren't trying to like be a working band but i think part of it was kind of like yeah let's make the fandom a little a little detached like this it doesn't have to be the end all be all you know searching for easter eggs and like i don't know kind of yeah Cool we 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 want you to listen that. to other bands. Yeah, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. Or just listen to the record as a record. You know, like yeah. it doesn't have to change the world. Yeah, <laughs> sure. That was always my gripe with like people who had like they're, they're like the one band kid. You know, I would just be like, I don't know, the day is kind of short. You know, I don't have that much time to. Yeah. You know, I need to be listening to other bands. You well, know, like I'll get can't it just in, stick to this one thing. I'll get it into it in my personal history Caleb but remember how you used to call me like a closet radiohead fan <laughs> I think that's why because I was like I, I want to be this this hype kid like you know like yeah head is my favorite fortunately yeah. that was that there was radiohead kids or fortunately you know if you're into it you're into it that's dope hey, but no. like there no but there was like the the you know the singular band person yeah yeah you know like, I think there was more than a few of you know people well who they were, were like one that of those bands where like you couldn't really like dress like the band so you had to just talk about it <laughs> that's true you had to that's announce fair. it yeah but let let me just finish up here and we can start getting into some of that stuff so three weeks before the album was released it leaked online and i definitely remember when this happened but yeah. the band and their manager were unconcerned they basically were like you know what it's happened nothing we can do but it's probably not going to affect sales we're not going to work uh, worry about it and uh they were right it didn't really affect sales at all and actually uh this is one of their best-selling records if not their best-selling record, number the, one the in the u.s right yeah so I'll, i'm going to get to that as our last point here there's just one one thing in between so the album was met initially with mixed reviews, as we talked about, uh, with many critics confounded by the lack of guitars. Some felt that the album was intentionally obtuse and difficult. Uh, some called it career suicide, which is just insane uh, in hindsight. But over time, the album's come to be seen as a landmark of the 2000s. Numerous publications have called it the best of the decade, including Pitchfork, who put it at number one on their top, whatever, 250 or 200 of the of the 2000s. Rolling Stone put it at the top of their decades list. The Times put it at the top of their list. Rolling Stone also ranked it at number 20 on their 500 greatest albums of all time list. So it's gotten its due for sure over time. I think initially it was definitely wow. a lot of skeptics out there. But Rolling uh, Stone has it at 20? Yes, yes. So is that higher than OK Computer or is OK Computer in like the teens? That's a good question. I have to ask her uh, old friend Frick about that. Let's That's see. pretty wild. Frick's picks. And <laughs> also, I am baffled about the no guitars. There's 
guitars all Every, over this well, album. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Just because it doesn't sound like a guitar, like a riff, I think is what they're talking about. Like they wanted another, you know, airbag or another lucky or whatever. They don't want but the third song in, you get one of the best oh, like yeah. bass, bass lines ever. That's a bass uh, guitar, though. Not uh, a okay, but, uh, guitar guitar. Does that not yeah, count? Yeah, but then the, yeah, there's like straight up like optimistic is like the fucking that's like all rock rock it's yeah. a rock jam like optimistic still does the acoustic guitar thing that they were so famous for at the time yeah. so does how to disappear completely like there's yeah. there's guitars all over this thing it just wasn't what they expected or wanted so they complained uh and looking at it now okay computer was ranked 42 on the 500 greatest albums of all time yeah wow it. so kid a surpassed it yeah, quite a 20, 20 more, 22 more. So 22 more better. 22 spaces higher. Um, so to finish off here, as you were mentioning, Noah, it did debut at number one in the US on the Billboard 200. It was the first time that they ever achieved that. It also debuted at number one in the UK. Uh, here in the US, it sold 207,000 copies, which is pretty good for a fucking an art rock record, essentially. It was nominated for album of the year at the Grammys, but it lost. It did, however, win best album or best alternative album, sorry, uh, which they had also won for OK Computer. And it has been certified platinum. Yeah, the year 2000, I wonder. Wasn't that fucking, was that the Steely Dan year? What? Uh, They gave it to some old heads or something. Yeah, I think, I can't remember if that was 99 or 2000, but I definitely remember them watching them give steely dan or whatever uh, i like steely dan but come on folks and so it, to finish off here it has been certified platinum in australia canada france japan the u.s and the it UK. was adrian it was that that was the two against Daniel. nature yeah yeah which not a great record by them and just uh, uh yeah that's what insane a, not that the yeah. grammys really matter anyways but that right. just goes to show you what what the kind of mentality goes behind the, those voters well, wasn't so, yeah. they didn't they didn't give out a disco Grammy till 1980? They gave famously. the first metal uh, Grammy to fucking Jethro Tull. Jethro Tull yeah. over Metallica. Well, time will tell. We'll you know decide if that was the best move or whatever. <laughs> the first uh, hip hop Grammy was a uh, Will Smith and DJ Jazzy Jeff, and he was boycotting it too. He was yeah, like, it was not, so disrespectful to it didn't air it. Yeah, he wasn't even there. Will yeah. Smith broke the curse, I think, of the best new artist Grammy. He was like one of the only ones that like survived. To succeed, that. yeah. Unlike Vanilla 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 treatment, yeah. yeah. That classic uh, behind the music is like, please Girl, don't let us know win it. That. Yeah, please the don't Grammys, let us win it. And look what happened. We the won. Grammys are bizarre now because it'll be like best new song, like some you know whatever. The baby, and it's like I heard that song like three summers ago. Like the timing on everything what is insane. Year is this? <laughs> like, I don't they'll know. do it's like best when it was released they'll... on a certain, you know, a, yeah. a certain label in a certain area. Like it's they'll do best new artist for a band who has like or an artist or whatever who has like three albums. And yeah. the thing, like... and the length is from like September of the year before the current year through like the it's very fucking confusing and yeah and they went woke and they went woke and got rid of gender <laughs> the oh best, that's right that's yeah. right the <laughs> best uh grammy album of the year speech was uh paul simon i think he won for graceland and prior to that uh stevie wonder i think had won four years in a row 
And he's like, I just want to thank Stevie Wonder for not releasing an album this year. <laughs> yeah, Metallica did that too when they won like for the Black album. They were like, we want to thank Jethro Tull for not putting an album out. <laughs> Hell yeah. So, well, right. that, well, 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 we Lars, can, we can Lars sued that. the Jethro Grammys. Tull. Yeah, for he's like, he's like, I took it to the court. Like, flute cannot be on a metal record. It just it can it cannot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He sued Circuit City to take a Jethro pull out of the metal section. I don't want to get lit <laughs> I don't want to get litigious yet. A but flautist, I will call my lawyer. A flautist cannot. <laughs> a flautist does not a metal band make. Yeah. I don't know, man. Have you heard fantasy metal? I know. Now yeah. probably there's flute probably all over Caleb's metal <laughs> records. Now it's to. all about playing the skin flute. Oh, on that note. Yeah. On that note, let's take a quick breaky break. Wait, were you done, Adrian? Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Adrian's been done. Sweet. How's that timer doing? It's looking good, guys. Uh, yeah. Um, getting there. Yeah. You know, this, this, this is like a monumental album. It's going to be a monumental episode. Like I said, the stakes couldn't be higher. This has to be our yeah. best episode ever. Yeah. It's, it's monumental yet a footnote yeah is this <laughs> yeah nice is this the biggest band we've ever done right probably i mean this album on the main track on like the main feed in terms of like well we what? would not have like... a podcast without this album i would say in a way yeah. that's a fair point uh it's kind point. of invented but in terms of popularity units I mean, all of that outside of like the eagles yeah i think yeah. this is probably our biggest one and unfortunately, I think the Eagles is our yeah. it's the biggest band we ever covered and the biggest record. Yeah, but that's a that's a one off. That's a, that's a that's, special case. Yeah, that's our sub genre. You could say that's our this sub feed. this Radiohead. It's on the main uh, feed, but you could say this right. Radiohead album saved rock and roll. Yet from itself. Yet mm. threw it in its fucking grave and buried it <laughs> under a buzz of tape loops and enoisms. Yeah. Aphex Twin influence, <laughs> Richard D. James isms. I I do listen to this album though. We gotta mine all that like Aphex Twin, Arc Archature. How do you say that? Audiker, Audiker, all that shit. Fisher Spooner, all that weird. <laughs> That's a throwback. That's a, wow, Electro Clash. That I always got him in um Square Pusher mixed. Oh up. wait, Fisher Square Spooner, Pusher. Yeah, That's Square what I was thinking of. All yeah. that stuff. Fortet. All that fucking shit we gotta mind that we'll do like a whole thing about that maybe we could do like a suite of episodes yeah that Fortet, oh yeah Fortet be, record is uh 20 years this year so maybe that's that'd be one. good we could throw like the not west and like uh yeah, yeah. that all right yeah. Shit, break time that dross in there yeah let's take a little break and we'll <laughs> come back break out. yet you're still speaking <laughs> yes i am thirsty yet i have to pee so yeah. We'll see you guys shortly. Thirsty yet parched. Or no, quenched yet parched. <laughs> and we were back. And uh, now it comes to the autobiographical portion of our of our show. So, uh, yeah, Noah, why don't you uh, tell us about your personal history? Yeah, my, pers my personal history with this, with this album. Oh, Radiohead. Can Kid A, yeah, and kind of Radiohead in general, like, I always 
you know, new Radiohead, of course, you know, Creep was a huge song. Um, I always really liked that song. I had probably heard The Bends because there was also a couple hits on that song, uh, on that album. I've always been a The Bends guy. Like, that's that's the Radiohead that I revisit the most. Uh, but I remember uh, when Kid A was released, it was like a big fucking deal because they had taken a little time off. Okay. Computer was such a hit and it was kind of like, like, okay, like this is their like Sergeant Peppers or something like this is like an important album. And I remember what time of year did this come out again? Sorry. Uh, October. October. And I remember it was, yeah, right around my birthday or something, but I remember, uh, my brother Zachary bought the album like day and date. And uh, I remember being like, I wasn't even like anticipating the Radiohead album, but I'm like, Oh yeah, I heard it's, what do you think? Like everybody's got to have an opinion or whatever. I remember him saying, he's like, yeah, I think it's great. They like took a few years off and they came out with something completely different. And I was like, Oh, that's cool. And then eventually, I think I had him, uh, it probably would have been about a year later, we got our first, like, CD burner. And so I think I had him, like, burn me a copy. And uh, 2001 would have also been when I was started kind of smoking weed. And uh, Nice. Or probably a little earlier than that. But, and I remember I would, like, you know, sneak off, sneak a little toke a weed here and there and be up in my room and just listening to like kid a and and amnesiac a lot (laughs) i remember yeah caleb used to come in and be like because i think we had 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 our own rooms by then yeah probably yeah yeah and uh you would come in my room and be like are you listening to fucking radiohead again like shit (laughs) you're like a radiohead fan (laughs) you know because i was always like I mean, I always love music and shit, but like, you know, I was always like, like, I like, you know, the Velvet Underground. You know what you were, Noah? You were a 70s guy. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You were like the 70s guy in our life. Yeah. Rolling Stones. Television. And and stuff. It was like, I like where the shit came from, you know? That was like my thing. Noah would wear like a turquoise bracelet. (laughs) (laughs) Buka <laughs> shells, feathered hair. No, <laughs> yeah, but I was always like friends with like punk rockers and stuff. But yeah, I was always like, oh no, I like the Ramones. You guys like, like the Stranglers? Yeah, you should really yeah. start there. <laughs> That's how I was. Or I was like Black Flag. You know, you guys listen to Sandinista. Yeah. yeah, it was like punk rock peaked 1979. You know, <laughs> yeah, but um. So that's kind of how I was. So I was always very, I was very like cautious about hyped bands for whatever reason. I was always like dipping my toe in, kind of like didn't want to like admit that I was a Radiohead kid or whatever. You know, I never wanted to be like identified with like my like musical taste. What all the sheeple were listening to. Yeah. Well, I never wanted to be like, oh, you're one of those weirdos that listens to Radiohead. Because I was always like, they're not that weird. Like, you know, it's, it's good music. Like, you know, whatever. 
So I, it was never something that I would like play for my friends. It was like some shit that I would listen to on my own. Yeah. And that's kind of how I feel about this album still to this day. It's kind of like, like it was an album then that you just like sit down and fucking listen to. And that's all you're doing, you know? So it was a very, uh, yeah, for me, it was like a very kind of like bedroom, just like, you know, just like chilling and just like listening to the, to every note of the music. And it was, it was a, it was a very like special album because it, it like, I could definitely hear all their influences that they were doing, but I really did feel like this is something new and that's like very rare in music at the time. Usually you kind of realize that in hindsight, like, Oh, that was like a revolutionary thing. It's very rare to listen to like contemporary music where you're like, Oh, this is like fresh especially nowadays, like those experiences are like few and far between. I mean, when you're younger, you just, your taste is still forming and you haven't listened to as much stuff as when you get older. And it was still kind of pre internet a little bit where you couldn't access the history of music as much. So, you know, we were still going to the library and uh, Santa Maria public library trying to check out, you kind of had to like, you could only listen to like, you know, like 20, 30 albums a year and like really right. give your time to it, you know? And this was one of those albums where I, I kind of knew immediately like, Oh, okay. This is like an important album, but it didn't feel like kind of homeworky or, or too overhyped. It just felt like a really good album. That was kind of like, Oh, I'd like to have this just like private, like a couple hours to myself before I go to bed and like listen to this kind of cool, kind of emotional, kind of, you know, music. Like, I don't know. It, it like got to me, but like I'd never, I don't know. It was weird. Like, cause then like when I, a few years later, when I went to like college and shit, like my roommate was super into Radiohead. He would wear like Radiohead t shirts and, he had like a Radiohead poster. And I remember the first night we were together at the dorm rooms, he was like, you got tickets to a uh, mountain view? Cause this is in Santa Cruz. And I was like, Oh no. And I remember I talked to him on the phone before we were even roommates. He's like, I'm really into Radiohead. And I was like, Oh, there's that's a couple cool. things you need to know about me. <laughs> yeah. I was like, Oh, that's cool. But like, I was thinking like, you know, just me trying to be like a too cool dick. I was like, well, I would never admit that on a phone call with somebody for the <laughs> Do first you time. know what uh, my first uh, roommate in the call, my college dorms told me about music they likes, they listens to? What? He doesn't listen to a lot of quote unquote black music. Oh, oh. Yeah, that was terrible. Yeah. Different experience. I <laughs> People used to say that shit. People casually. would say that. They definitely would. It was a different time. Yeah, 15 uh, years ago. Very yeah. different. 18 years ago or whatever it was. Yeah, however long goddamn we're old. Well, anyway, I mean, sorry, though. No. I mean, hip-hop was so vilified. Oh, yeah. That, like, in as late as, like, 2000, you know, after, like, Tupac and Biggie got shot, 
like music got reduced to like black music is violent yeah hip hip hop which is like well so what that shit's good yeah like fucking it's a story it's like fucking Ernest Hemingway writes books about killing Tolstoy wrote a book about murdering some person they didn't even know like that's 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 called art like people yeah. explore things Get um, over it but yeah but it uh it, Caleb just to comment on the, it was uh rock and roll and stuff was so divorced from like where it came from at the time you know like yeah like a black tradition of music like yeah it was kind of it, it was terrible really it was what it was but maybe that's what i was pushing back on too because i was always like a hip-hop head and you know i, I didn't want to be like he had the backpack he had the big headphones <laughs> yeah but i didn't want to be like you know the dorky white guy music i was always kind of like a little yeah hesitant to like totally identify with that but anyways i this album like it really did resonate with me at the time and uh yeah and then i i saw them in 2003 i think at coachella so it would have been right after they came out with the uh hell to the thief i think album so yeah, I was always a Radiohead fan. It's just uh yeah, it's just not one of those bands I'd like revisit a lot. But anyways, my history, yeah. My brother, older brother burned it for me. I knew it was important. I knew it was like hyped. Um, I probably saw them on Conan on you know on TV and I thought they were cool because they like weren't like trying to be cool. Like they reminded me of like yeah, like the Ramones or something where they had their own aesthetic and they were, you know, trying to be weird, but they they felt like very accomplished, talented musicians, which is, you know, kind of like my favorite thing. Like people that are like, you know, weirdos that have their own sound, but like you could tell they're always pushing themselves to like make something like special, like not important, but just make something interesting like so yeah nice nice sick yeah i i can jump in here similarly i had, I had also already been a fan of radiohead before then i first saw them uh with the paul or i first became aware of them with creep on the radio like most of us but i think the re when i really got into them was seeing paranoid android on mtv for the first time and just oh, being yeah. so blown away by that i video forgot to mention that adrian the videos were something else like, yeah i mean that one karma police the just video where everyone's on the floor or whatever there's oh, so many man. iconic classic that videos floor that video is fucking rad yeah a simple a simple idea executed perfectly with a great song so i yeah i i, I had known about them i had been a fan of their music and i was into okay computer pretty heavy at the time but I think the first time I was trying to remember the first time I actually sat down and listened to this record and I, I don't have a distinct memory of it, but I definitely remember watching the blips on the web in those early days, seeing, seeing, uh, and then seeing the web app on, on, you know, at ease web or whatever Radiohead fan sites I was on at the time. I didn't actually buy the record until probably six, eight months later. I want to say it was for like a, my birthday, I used birthday money to buy it, or maybe eighth grade graduation money. 
And so that was kind of the first time I actually heard it. And I was definitely blown away instantly because, I mean, it's a complete step forward for them. And coming from OK Computer and just how how great that record is, but also just how straightforward it is. And then coming into this where it's meandering at times, it's spacey at times, it's, you know, it doesn't have a center at times. It's completely different, but I, feel I think like I yet coming. <laughs> but I think for me, <laughs> I was, uh, you know, I was very into that and very open. I think when you're, you know, 13, 14, 15 years old and you're starting to get into different kinds of music, you're a yeah. little bit more if you're like us, you're a little bit more open to different kinds of things. And you might be a little bit ashamed, as Noah was, of just the fandom around a band. But it wasn't shame. It was just yeah, like, not shame. But I know what you mean. It it's was a just little like dorky. I never wanted to be like, I don't know. I never wanted to like dress and act <laughs> like my musical taste. Like, you sure. know, I, I still was on like the basketball team, but like listened to Radiohead when I got home, you know, like I didn't want to be like a music dork or something. Like you didn't that. want to be the blank guy with whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's fair. So, yeah. So I, I bought the record and I, you know, I, I really enjoyed it. I remember distinctly watching a couple of live specials. I remember there was one on MTV. I think it was like an MTV two special that they were running on MTV concurrently. I also remember a PBS special uh, but I, I was super blown away by idiot, idiotic, idiotique, however you want to say it, and Morning Bell. Those two tracks, I was just like, wow, yeah. this is like a whole nother universe oh, compared yeah. to what came before Some it. serious stuff. Adrian, remind me, when you bought that CD, did it come with like a CD-ROM where it had all those little uh, videos? No, I think that was a there was a package like that, but I, I just okay. got this straight... I didn't even get the one that has like, cause there's one that has a secret, like you lift up the, the jewel case, the backing and there's a secret booklet. Yeah. Uh, I didn't even get that one. That was but like I, the early, early I, runs. I definitely remember like getting stoned at your house and watching those. Back yeah. You had at a, some point, yeah. I think at some point I had, Hmm. Maybe, maybe I did have, I don't know if it was that or maybe it came with the amnesiac, but um, yeah. there were certainly oh, you had that doc for sure. I had the doc for sure. I think what we're yeah. thinking of what you're talking about is um, I believe amnesiac had an, a, a disc like that as well. I, I'm not mistaken. And we definitely would. Yeah. Smoke weed and, and watch that. Cause there's like one and they're getting interviewed in France and like Johnny Gardner speaking French. That's from the documentary. That's from making uh, meeting people as easy. Ah, which I started watching today. It's very, very cool. Yeah, that's a very, a very vibey documentary. Stylish, yeah. Vibe very stylish. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's kind of, yeah. It's, yeah. It, but anyways, uh, so I I was a fan of the record immediately. And this also kind of coincided with the time of, like, I was starting to get into like electronic music. So I also was getting into like Aphex Twin and things of that nature. So it was all kind of coalescing for me. Um, you know, I would be discovering Eno shortly after thereafter. So it's, it was definitely a touchstone for me early on in terms of like broadening my tastes and getting into stuff that's a little bit more artsy, a little bit more weird. It's kind of that transition from being into like the, when you're 12, 13, you're just into the radio stuff or, you know, whatever. And then you get into like stuff that's a little bit deeper, a little yeah. bit weirder. This is so, definitely part of that transition for me. The day you connected Brian Eno to David Bowie was 
a very special day. It was like a graduation for yeah music heads back then. You know, just reached out his his hand and was like, "Come with me." You know, David Bowie would be on classic rock radio stations. And oh yeah. Like, oh wait, there's this other thing going on. Okay. Yeah, like the first time you put on low and you're like, "What yeah. the fuck?" Like this like, is like, "Hey, hey, kid, space you want, oddity. You want to get academic? <laughs> <laughs> you want to get cerebral?" Yeah. So yeah, I I, I to get discreet. <laughs> I particularly liked how dark and electronic the album felt. It's it's a very nocturnal record, and at the time, you know, I was very much staying up late, watching Conan, watching Adult Swim, and just very much being a stone teenager. You always were a night guy. Yeah, I was always a night guy. I was always a sleepyhead, and yeah, you'd be like, yeah, watch like this fucking liquid television or whatever <laughs> yeah it's like, dude, that shit's on like at 2 30 <laughs> yeah that was yeah. when the best oh, stuff happens I mean, all the good shit happens you know, i've always asleep i've it's, always it's wanted good. to be like a night nocturnal guy i'm just not the our brother time... isaac is also like that he's he's yeah. like a night guy and uh yeah the, the amount of times i tried to stay up and watch the band that was going to play on Conan, I always <laughs> fall asleep on that last commercial. Like, oh, I missed it. No one right before. Yeah, and then you wake be up like, to Conan and be like, oh, that was really you're great. Like, All right. All right got through it. the second guest. There's <laughs> yeah. that little bit right before, and then we're going to go into it, guys. It was always like a news commercial. I was like, tonight after Conan, uh, <laughs> a robbery on Broadway in Maine leaves a woman shrieking. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So yeah, I was I was definitely like uh uh I definitely f- fell hard for the record immediately. It was not something that I struggled with like these critics. Uh and it became a core part of like my my early kind of high school taste, you know. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, if it wasn't for that record, I don't know. I probably wouldn't have gotten into Mingus until later. I probably wouldn't have gotten into, you know, any number of things uh which this is a touchstone Charles of. Charles Mingus? Yeah, cuz you know the national anthem is basically like a Mingus that's, that's kind Tom of York's track, dude. Yeah. So you know, I and it's just all it's all this kind of how it used to be, right? We're like where you're, yeah. It was probably like an interview in Spin or an interview in some mm-hmm. magazine where he's talking about like, oh, you know, we listened to a lot of jazz and blah blah blah, and and then I'm like, oh, Charles Mingus, I better check out, you know, the Black Saint and the Sinner Lady, but whatever. Uh, yeah. So yeah, this was a really important record for me, and uh, and yeah, it became kind of a core part of my kind of early identity in high school for sure. I, I became kind of a Radiohead guy. You wore it. Did I wore it on my literally. Shirt? I had a couple. Yeah, I did. Nice. I did indeed. Caleb. Yeah. Clock yeah, um, is ticking. Keep it short. Yeah. Oh man, I mean, let's see. Let's take a look at that clock. Oh yeah, we got plenty of time. <laughs> yeah, so this band probably came into my um recollection. I don't remember them from MTV or like alternative radio, to be completely honest. I think I was just watching a lot of like um Cash Money Millionaires or like uh you know vibrant thing type videos, if you know what I mean. Yeah, we that were, was kind of my we experience. Were like a rap city the basement yeah that was kind of my after uh, school kids. my diet uh with mtv and such but anyways i probably heard about them from adrian just like as a band you know adrian was pretty hip to all that stuff yeah and so it's kind of like oh you know after we got into kind of our yeah like our nascent getting into yeah. punk rock and kind of your he had your, older brothers adrian had early internet access and in <laughs> there you go there you go yeah <laughs> exactly. 
totally fair. And uh, yeah, so the Adrian was like, yeah, well, because you know we got into like kind of the canon, um, and then there's like, okay, what's the new canon, right? And then Adrian's like, well, this is, you know, Radiohead, you heard him. But I remember specifically around this album because you know that's that's what we're talking about tonight. Is I remember my first experience with like the discussion around this album was Zachary was talking our older brother, our older brother Zachary, yeah, was up one night. It was on a weekend. It was a Saturday because they were playing on SNL, and he was like talking to my dad about it because he was him and my dad will always kind of rap about like you know new music and like what's you know what's what's kind of happening and you know and trying to kind of bridge that generational gap and um. He's like, yeah, we should watch this band Radiohead. Kate Hudson was the host, actually. She's probably promoting yeah. Almost Famous. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. I got an SNL joke for later. Oh, sick. <laughs> Can't wait. Um, and anyway, so then, yeah, Zachary was kind of explaining Radiohead to my dad and kind of what this new album meant, you know, and it was like, I, I don't know, maybe I'm kind of being more poetic about the memory or whatever, but I remember him saying like, yeah, they're like an important band in this new album. They're doing all this like weird stuff anyway so then we watched the episode and then i remember i definitely remember watching the national anthem performance hell of a because like fucking great i just yeah rewatched that today um because you can't get that baseline out of your head and yeah i remember then watching that at least that one i don't know if the idiotic if i watched that too that segment but anyways it was just loved seeing like just a band that was like it's kind of noisy and lively you know up there Got the modular sense with all exactly. The That's what I was gonna stuff say. Going on. Yeah, it, it was such a revelation to see a rock band ostensibly who was manipulating electronics live, and yeah. you know had a horn section and all this stuff. And I remember mm-hmm. Dad being like, "Oh, that has like a bitches brew kind of vibe too," yeah. you know, because <laughs> our dad's you know he likes Miles Davis a lot. Like, sounds like Britches brew. He's like, "Oh, that's kind of <laughs> cool." And then I, like uh, a little bit of Doctor Dre in there, a little bit of uh, Compton or something. <laughs> yeah. And uh yeah, and then um yeah, then Zachary be like, yeah, they're out their new album kind of has a bunch of that on there. So then that kind of like sparks my interest. And then at this time, you know, they were being a pretty popular band. So I at least by you know the next year, by freshman year, that's when we kind of like um me and Adrian and our crew hit kind of the kind of the alt mountain, hit it pretty hard, you know. So they're definitely part of that canon. And I probably got the same burn CD from you, Noah, or yeah, yeah, something. I don't know if we shared it. What the hell is? But I, I definitely had a burn CD of it, and I had Amnesiac too. It wouldn't have been on the same CD because it wouldn't fit. But I had both, both of them, and I remember listening to Amnesiac a little bit more. I don't know why that is because maybe you were always an Amnesiac head because maybe it came out the year that year you know so it, i was like oh this is newer so i don't know it came out in the summer right before our high school our oh school, okay yeah year, so, so. The, yeah um yeah. but i did listen to kid a you know like um you know i had to you know listen to it with the homies and like uh, like you're saying it adrian is like a very nocturnal album i don't really remember listening to it during the day or like by <laughs> hanging out you know kind of back to what noah was saying about being kind of a a personal matter but yeah i was a pretty you know like mm, I would say most teenagers. It was pretty fucking moody. Uh, so, like, I remember Kid A being kind of my go-to either stoned nap or my depression nap, you know? I'd just be like, <laughs> fuck, I'm just feeling, you know, angsty and shit. And I was like, ah, oh, fuck. And I would just, like, put it on because it 
this is a pretty enveloping listen, you know, like there's a, oh, yeah. a lot of kind of sleepy elements to it, um, like ways to kind of get lost and all that. Um, so yeah, kind I just remember engulfs you. Yeah. So I remember like listening to it a lot when I would just like go to bed or like, you know, nap during the middle of the day. Um, and I do like, you know, um, liking the sadder kind of more melancholy parts of it. I thought, you know, national anthem ripped optimistic rips but like i liked you know the, the kind of the more subdued kind of contemplative kind of more orchestral songs um you know i was just like i was really kind of getting into more melancholy kind of sadder music i wasn't listening to like like low or chestnut or anything sadness. at that point but like <laughs> You know, I really like Something in the Way by Nirvana. That was like my favorite Nirvana song for like when I was a kid. Or I really liked Sunday Real Estate. So I like kind of like that sad white boy shit. And um, <laughs> I and that that and that fit kind of that that check that box off with this album. But I don't think I could fully really appreciate what they were doing sonically. You know, I just thought they had a really cool, glitchy kind of developed sound, but I didn't really know how they were manipulating everything and how kind of special that was and i thought it was just yeah kind of related to me in like an angsty kind of way but i didn't know they you know they had like a deeper message and it was like more cerebral i just thought it was cool sad dramatic tunes yeah and then like i said i listen to amnesiac a lot more though um because that is more of those elements of kid a i feel like i listened to amnesiac a couple times recently and I feel like it's a little bit more kind of ballady and it has more electronics. It's, it has more kind of slower songs, less guitar and ipso facto kind of stonier if, in that way. So I was probably just smoking, you know, brick weed or whatever we had at that point. Yeah. And that probably would have appealed to me more. Went from less balls to less guitar. Yeah. Cause <laughs> it was more out there in a way. Right. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely no, more definitely. They leaned into like soundscape. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, it makes yeah. sense that they didn't decide to make a double album. Mm-hmm. I, I've, yeah, I feel like they kind of that served. would have been too self indulgent. Yeah, yeah, they did themselves a big favor. Yeah, and then they they, they kind really... of prime prime the pump for Amnesiac to come out later. Yeah, yeah, they really would have gotten nailed if they had done a double record of, of all yeah. those songs. It was and, funny and, though, Caleb. I kept confusing the two albums when I was listening. Me too. To it me too. Podcast. I was like, "Wait, where's that one song?" And yeah, like, where's oh, Knives Out? Is it Knives Out on here? It's like no. It's, or, it's yeah, like you and whose army? Yeah. But now you can buy that Kid A and Kid Amnesia. Yeah, yeah. It's uh it's an interesting thing. I mean, I don't I particularly I don't particularly like listening to them back to back like that, but it's kind of like watching that uh weird edit of the Godfather movies. Oh, the Godfather oh, saga. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, saga. It's very it's very <laughs> I hate that. Yeah. Nobody it needed kind that. of it kind of ruins the pacing and the rhythms of yeah. things and it's, well, yeah. it's a little Yeah. It's not, it's, I mean, I like the I like the extra scenes and stuff. It's just yeah, it's it's I I prefer the let's just keep it to the to the three films. Folks. Or do you remember like what uh people it's like this is like early internet memory and it was in DVDs are coming out and they're like oh if you play Pulp Fiction by chapters do it in this order and oh, it's like yeah. the more linear the version of it yeah well like, and then like sure and then there was like the Memento DVD right where if you entered in the right word that you could watch it in order or yeah. 
Yeah. They don't make them like that no more. No Damn, more dude. Games. I like, so, yeah. We're, we're an Easter eggless uh, uh, society. Yeah, the kids these days, they don't know about getting fingered to a uh, DVD playing over <laughs> and over on the title screen. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Just driving you nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, so that's our personal histories. Uh, before we go into our current reactions, we actually do have a listener uh, a submission. Okay. Um, it's from a. <laughs> it's a good one it's from a friend of the show, Tom, from um, one of our loyal uh, wackies. Yeah, one of our loyal wackies. Friend of mine. I actually reached out to him because I knew he's a big Radiohead guy. So yeah, he did us a did us a solid and sent us a voicemail. So why don't we it's listen to that and then we'll talk about how we feel about the album currently. Yeah, let's uh, let her rip. Hey boys. Uh... First time, long time, love the show. Just wanted to say that it. I was captivated by the nearly 10 hours of content over the past uh, month uh, going uh, into the American Radiohead contest. And, uh, you know, I, I was pulling for Wilco, and I'm glad to see that they were crowned champions uh, for this epic contest. Now, Caleb, you reached out to me to speak on Kid A, and uh, I think in in the spirit of this show, talking about the hype and kind of separating the hype from the nostalgia in so many of these cases, I'll just get to the nostalgia first in that I, I discovered Radiohead sitting in the back of a car uh, one of the first times that I ever smoked marijuana. There it is. And uh, playing <laughs> Jello in the back. In a car too. It's uh, perfect. Listening to Idiotech from from Kid A, and from a personal level, it's really one of the few memories of a direct song having a, a deep impact on me that's lasted for the last twenty years. Um, just not only the the moment of you know kind of being in high school and and goofing around for the first time, going on crazy drives up in the hills with your friends and getting into trouble, but also the sound. It it, it uh, you know when I first felt that spooky synthesizer in my chest, it really opened a door. Uh, for a kid who at the time only really thought that punk and hardcore was the definitive end all music that existed <laughs> on planet earth that actually mattered. Hell yeah. And it really is kind of a moment that, that introduced me to so many different types of music going into the warp catalog, going into getting into can and, and Talking Heads, and Bjork, and really kind of expanding out of just that thought that, that there was only one type of music and, and, and going into others. Um, so I think that's, uh, that's the nostalgia aspect of my retrospective. Now, the hype is really hard for me to speak on because Kid A came out I was 11 years old, and so I think I was uh, you know, mostly into radio punk with uh, Blink-182 and Green Day and all that kind of crap. So I can't really speak on then, that, that then. All I can do is kind of like 
kind of get a sense for what the what the reception was for the album uh based on the media at the time and it it really kind of you know you can obviously tell there was a difference in sound uh, between okay computer and kid a it's it's no you know you don't have to be a rocket scientist to understand that but i think that when you take into perspective that okay computer was such a beloved album it had so much hype around it 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 was uh, so many songs and singles that that topped the charts for Radiohead to then come out with Kid A three years later, which is a complete departure from kind of like the typical indie rock and roll band, like rock, like you know, OK Computer was a rock and roll, and Kid A was was experimental and cutting edge, all those things that they say. But but to do that really shows uh, a lot of chutzpah on for for the artists and what I think was really special is it really showcased Nigel Godrich's ability as a producer, uh, where OK Computer was layered with multiple guitars, three guitars, sometimes keyboards, all of this stuff. But then you get into Kid A and you strip it down and the opening sounds of everything in its right place the the synthesizers the warmth and the depth and the the mood and kind of the changing across over the course of the album showing that they can go from this super layered rock and roll band into a stripped down uh, electro band kind of experimental thing and I'm reading these articles in Pitchfork and New Yorker, all these kinds of things, these critics kind of panning the album. And I think that a lot of fans of the band were were pretty split on the new direction that they were going with, with Kid A. Uh, and then they roll around less than a year later and do Amnesiac just to kind of cement the fact that, no, this is the direction that we're going and we're not really going back. Um, I think it, it, it really set a precedent as and and cemented what you were kind of talking about in the earlier episodes in that you can create your own vision you can do what you want and and still make money still have a big following i always say that radiohead's the most popular band that nobody likes and i think that's part <laughs> of the reason for it is that they over the course of a you know almost 30 year career they have gone in so many different directions and kind of done their own thing and and have been able to stay successful and and reach many op- many different audiences with uh many different sounds and uh yeah that's kind of my perspective and I'll take your uh answers off air Nice. Nice. Tom, sweetheart. Good kid. Hey, his name's Tom, too. <laughs> yeah. He did a good the job of like breaking Tom heavy down, episode. Breaking down exactly the kind of things that we're getting at here. Yeah. Um, he did mention like the band nobody likes. It did become maybe that's why I was like so 
hesitant to be like, I'm a Radiohead fan because it did. Radiohead almost became shorthand for being like, what? Like, that's dumb music, kind of like. Yeah. It was like an insult or something. For yeah. A while. Yeah. If you want to feel like a little, yeah. I, I, I remember kind of falling victim to that, being kind of precious about it, being like, yeah. Nah, I mean, that's for everyone else. Like, you know, but then I was like, I don't know. I was listening to indie rock and shit. And that's like probably sonically not that, yeah, you know, exploratory. You know, like Radiohead is probably doing kind of the was like, deeper. Like Weezer was deeper things. than Radiohead or something. Yeah, <laughs> there might have been a, a very small window of time when that was the truth. But <laughs> yeah, I know at least for myself. Yeah, it was kind of like, I don't know. I think at some point you kind of become a reactionary um, and you kind of jettison all the uh, kind of major label stuff or big bands, you know, to kind of like affirm your own taste or whatever. But I don't know. It's not, but he, he did make a good point between kid a and then amnesiac, which followed right after that. It became a point where it's like, okay, no fans will, will always follow you like they yeah. don't expect you to just stay the same it's not you know 19 it's not bob dylan going electric anymore like you don't have to be beholden to your fans they'll follow you like you got you know trust what you do and then the fans if they they're really fans they'll they'll keep up with you and they'll like mm-hmm. it yeah no for sure cool well, i mean it's not too different from wilco situation right where the, uh, their label didn't trust them to be, yes. you know, to do their own thing yeah. and to nope. for their fans to follow. And then they got, they got got and they had to buy back that record for under three a times as much. Yeah. Under a different label, yeah. uh, you know, but it was a small window label. where toxic fandom died. But of course, the world we live in now, it's, uh, yeah. it's alive and well. It's all we Just have. Ask the Swifties or the Bayhive. Yeah. Or, you know, basically like the Trump thing. That's just well, like, I think fan, the Swifties and the Bayhive expect, expect changing and evolution and progress. But... Well, I think now, because of artists like Wilco or yeah. Radiohead, that now people are much more, yes, they much they expect not necessarily drastic changes. Yes, I think... Wilco and Radiohead were a huge influence on, well, I'd say. I think for Beyonce, it's probably more. Get that on tape. uh, (laughs) I mean, you never know. They, they, you know, Beyonce is a grizzly bear fan. It's not too much of a stretch to think she likes Ray Wilco. Oh no, I'm sure she fucking listens to music all day. Yeah, that's what musicians do. Yeah, but I think that I mean, certainly, she's probably more inspired by like someone like Madonna, who also similarly is shifting and changing every album. Bjork, you know, similarly shifting and changing every record. Mm-hmm. There's these artists that are out there that are traversing the pop and the art shapeshifters. Uh, shapeshifters, yeah. That 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 were kind of. I think now it's much more not just like you're saying, not just accepted, but anticipated and expected almost yeah, for yeah. Uh, artists to to not necessarily drastically change who they are or what they sound like, but to mix it up, to to try something new, to yeah. you know. To, to not be stuck in that same kind of sound or milieu or whatever. But then again, there's artists like there's the John Fogarty of it all where it's like, well, he, he sounds like John Fogarty. So, of course, the next Fogarty record is going to sound <laughs> like Fogarty. I don't know what you expected. But uh, totally. 
I don't know. I can, I can kind of get in, start us off with this uh, listening now. Uh, yeah. I, one of the things that really just struck me was just how big of a leap it was. I think when I was listening, when I was younger, I was just, as I mentioned, I was just so much more open that it didn't really click with me just how different, like I just like, oh, this is just the cool new Radiohead record. But listening now, I'm definitely like, oh, this is like quite, quite a different thing than OK yeah. Computer. Mm-hmm. And you know, I like it and I I like that they made that shift, but then I can kind of see where all these critics were coming from, where you're highly, you know, your past record is, is full of riffs, full of guitars, full of, full of rock. And so you're kind of expecting like, well, you know, they're going to shift a little bit, but it's probably still going to be a rock record. Right. But then those synth chords, you know, come up and they're really just announcing from the get go, like, this yeah. is not the same. This is this is something new, and then just to go into Kid A. This isn't your grandfather's Radiohead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But then to go straight into Kid A, which is like even more oblique and obtuse of a song. That's like, that's just so ballsy and so confident of them to just be like, you mm-hmm. know what? Follow us along on this. You're gonna like this. Just trust yeah. us. And of course, then they follow it up with like a a classic kind of big rocker. But you know the. It, I really respect the fact that they had, as uh, as Thomas said, the schutzpa, schutzpa, for uh, to to do this, the the huevos to put this out there because it's really well put together. I mean, the production is incredible. Nigel Godrich is actually has a really great ear, especially for this band. Sir Nigel Godrich, <laughs> is he is he knighted? I is don't he, know, sir? maybe. He might be a, a knight Probably of the realm. Not. Probably not. <laughs> um, oh, Lord. Yeah, exactly. But he really does have just like a really great specific sound, and it really brings out the best of Radiohead, and everything is just layered so perfectly. I really love that they just, they literally just put an Eno song right in the middle, like just smack dab in the middle. Like, here's a little slab of Brian Eno weirdness for you. I love it because I'm a big Eno head, of course, so... It's uh, it was really great to hear that, and then to follow to end the whole thing with this like big orchestral Disney kind of you know soundscape is just mm-hmm. it's like they're really really confident in what they're doing, and I think that that really comes across, even though that everything is kind of new and different and and whatever they were all nervous about it, but it's just like it's played with such confidence and it's done with such confidence that it really helps sell the record and make it really feel like a big, huge piece of art that it is. And it really holds up super well. I didn't, you know, I, I didn't expect it not to because I've obviously listened to it throughout the years, but it's, it's holds up a lot more than maybe other, you know, records from the 2000 era, let's say, mm-hmm. uh, just in terms of like feeling dated like that, I think everything in its right place, you could put that out today and it would still sound really forward thinking and really forward, even though it's, you know, using classic sort of 70s, 80s analog synth sounds and, you know, a really basic kind of drum beat. But it's still so different from other records and other rock records and so singular to them. It still holds up super well and still sounds fresh and and good, even after, you know, I mean, I've listened to this record probably hundreds of times it's probably it's one of the records i've listened to more than any other i would say and it's still i'm still finding little new details and 
and and really just getting the most out of it now because I can appreciate it on a deeper level as I've learned more about production, learned more about electronic instrumentation, learned more about the band, you know, have seen them develop into who they are now, which is a very specific thing. Nice. But Kid A is just, it's a monumental record and it's a monumental record for me. And I think it's still, it still holds up very, very well. Yeah, I could just piggyback on that. Yeah, it does. The production sounds not dated at all. Like it sounds classic. Like, um, I think it listening to it now, it definitely it feels like it captured like a turn of the uh century kind of vibe, like a Y2K sort of you know, like the world. That was the world a couple days ago. Yeah. Ennui? Yeah. Ennui. Got stumped. But it's like, oh, don't be fooled. The world is not some post. All of the problems are fixed, you know, like. Yeah. Kind of like. I, I don't know. I, it's, it has this kind of like paranoid vibe yeah. that definitely translates to now. Like. If it like if they release this album, you know, now as their kind of post, you know, social media post uh, the global warming, post Trumpian, post you know, post post everything kind of thing, it would make sense. You know, it, it's just like you know, true, true artistry and stuff translates to all different time periods because it. It speaks to uh, you know a human condition, but the um, just the production I think is holds up now today as it ever was, and I think people are always chasing this type of sound, this type of variety. I think you listen to like The Weekend or something. There, he's doing stuff like this. I think, I think a little bit of anybody that's considering themselves trying to push a boundary of of a of a album within a pop structure which mm -hmm. kind of that is what they are doing it, it does pull from this album whether it's conscious or subconscious but it probably is conscious because it's it's one of the most important albums ever in a way and it, it, it to me like when like like the other album i keep equating it to would be like sergeant peppers because it was like mm. It was structurally, formally, the release of it, the the evolution of the band, the hype, and then the sound of it. You know, it combined a, a lot of things outside of the band and outside of the songs of themselves. It was like bigger than the actual album was. But you listen to Sgt. Pepper's now, and I'm like, I kind of don't like that album. <laughs> it's I not. Can, I, I can understand kind why of annoying. it's... It's not the, not the best. For, it's like, not the it's best. Not the best version of but that. Do you remember right. when we were kids? That was canonically their best album, right? It was, was shut down your throat as the us? best album ever. Yeah, because yeah. it's the most. It is the most artsy, the most experimental, yeah. whatever you want to say. I think for this gener or for other generations going forward, like Kid A might kind of usurp uh, Sergeant Pepper's as like this great expression and this great evolution of this band you know but i i think it holds up though it, it in a way unbelievable hype that it has it, it still holds up to this day yeah which That's... is incredible considering how many 
how often it's called the best of the decade, the best of the yeah. 2000s, you know, sorry, Caleb, go ahead and yeah, say for sure. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, I totally agree. And it like came out in the year 2002 and it just kind of like, yeah, set a precedent for that new decade, new millennium, you know? Well, I was thinking about it and like Springsteen has that line about how when he first listened to Highway 61 Revisited, like a Rolling Stone with that opening drum shot is like kicking a kicking a door open in your head. I think mm-hmm. with Kid A, I think that opening chord sequence and and little drum loop thing that's going our drum beat uh, machine drumming, I think that's kicking the door open to the to the new millennium. I think that it it's the sound of like yeah, because it, it is very much in the sort of late nineties, early two thousand angst pre nine eleven still. So it's it's kind of like the older version of like that angst and ennui where it's kind of like electronics are, are coming to displace us you know computers yeah. are taking everything over everything yeah, like the world is Y2K. becoming more interconnected yeah, but it's also kind of like it's, that 90s kind of cynical like anti-consumerist yeah. which is obviously nothing wrong with that i mean i know that uh-huh. they were very inspired by um that naomi klein book no code which is all about advertising and how it affects us and how it affects society Uh, oh no logo or no logo yeah sorry um no logo um and it was just like you know to to learn to hear about that and to learn about that and to uh, as a 15 14 year old it's it's you know it's mind-blowing and because you're not you're so trained not to think that way so i think that they're kicking open doors to all kinds of new things that were about to happen in this new millennium not only just by the music and the sound of it and, and the stuff that they were talking about but also the way that they were approaching the music releasing the music on their own release you know streaming the music like that's all so forward thinking compared to what other artists and other and major labels were doing at the time you know they were basically saying like well the internet's doesn't matter it's kind of a fad or it's kind of a it's so no one uses it yet so who cares but they they rightfully knew like we're at the vanguard of a changing of of so many things and this album is emblematic of that in 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 so many ways not just the sound of it and the art that's on it itself but also everything that happened around it and everything that you know happened post it and and what 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 it opened the doors to because I think it did kind of just throw the gates open for a lot of people to realize like, oh, like this is possible. We can we can do this. We can we can evolve in such a way that we sound completely different from what we did before and still remain like one of the most important in bands. So, yeah, highly influential, not just for sound and, and for the thematics, but just in terms of the, the approach to it as well. Um, yeah, I think certainly like we we talked touched a bit about it on on the radio or I'm sorry on the Wilco episode last week but I think that other artists took that and I think that also critics were a little bit more amenable after this to realize like oh maybe we shouldn't just jump to the conclusions so quickly because then we records like this get lost in the shuffle or get uh, luckily Radiohead was big enough to where that didn't happen but if they were not that big it very easily could have just been like oh this was just a folly it's forgotten and becomes like a cult record but you know they were one of the biggest bands in the world and so it became one of the biggest records of all time essentially yeah yeah okay cool yeah i'll get into how i'm feeling about it and 
yeah yeah um it was it was fun to revisit this record i don't think i'd like i listened to a little bit of radiohead kind of just like select cuts um when we were you know kind of prepping for the tournament so i think i went i they listened to good amounts of most of their kind of albums leading up to this um maybe a couple after but i hadn't like sat with a radiohead album like maybe 20 years or something you know i kind of lost touch with them but i took for granted how much i did listen to this album grown up like you know i was like super familiar with it like it was just kind of like a warm bath it was just comforting and like all the peaks and valleys and everything this album were like i can anticipate them and i knew how everything was placed and it was just like this familiar terrain um which is always the good kind of haul uh a good sign for uh, you know what's, what's considered a classic it's a classic for a reason it's just like that familiarity and that warmth and you know having kind of more advanced ears um in my older age and having listened to a shitload of music over the years it's like uh (laughs) i could kind of like uh kind of appreciate the kind of the sonics of it more than i could before when i was a you know a kid it kind of just sounded like a cacophony and just this kind of alien kind of soundscapey stuff but yeah it's cool to kind of hear it now and what i took away from is it's like it's like really dense but it's just like there's something like light too about it you know ethereal yeah there's a lot going on and it creates a really lush atmosphere but it's like not bogged down at all there's little to no bloat on this album Mm -hmm. um and now hearing that like they didn't they kind of broke it apart from amnesiac like i think that's a really genius move because had they done that and made a double record it would be bloated and you know it'd be kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy it's weird to think that people thought this was like a self-indulgent kind of album because it is so well edited and curated. You know, it's just like all the layers and all the pieces are really well placed. Like there is, and they hold back on a lot of stuff. You know, um, yeah. I will say I did read that the sequencing was very, very important to them. Yeah, they were inspired by the Beatles because um, uh-huh. the Beatles were always similarly would always put a lot of attention on how things were sequenced and i think that that's kind of why those records are so good that's why this record is like you're saying these records are so good is because they paid attention to that detail Um, i think there's a lot of artists that do that i think there's some instances where that doesn't happen and it's very clear like oh this is just kind of slapped together but yeah that's not the case with these guys these guys put a lot of thought into every detail but yeah, even though like it's an experimental in nature, it doesn't kind of wander into the, these weird tangents. You know, mm-hmm. all the songs are still pretty airtight and, you know, really well considered in their construction, you know, and I, and I always kind of like that, how to like have a container of a song for all these different ideas without going too far afield, unless that's what you want to do. But I don't know, this album does announce itself still as a rock and a pop record, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and they kind of hold true to that, but kind of have all these different flourishes and stuff. And yeah, it's like I said, it's just so well considered how they brought in experimental aspects and all their bevy of new, um, influences, everything, but it doesn't sound like they're dilettantes, you know, just kind of like, I want to make jazz now. We're kind of fucking around with like, you know, I want to do, I want to have minimal techno, like elements. Well, it seems like it, when they wanted to bring that stuff in, they would either sample somebody who'd done it very well or they would kind of take their time with it and kind of learn it and actually like respect the spirit of that influence 
they're not dabblers. Put it yeah, that way. yeah, exactly. And they seem very committed to it. And then mm-hmm. to hold back and to not kind of get out over your skis around certain aspects, you know, if you wouldn't be able to pull that off. So yeah, I thought, thought it was just like hugely respectful to their influences and everything like that. And then on this, like, yeah, most recent listens for the pod, like I said, I kind of remember it being a sad, contemplative, melancholy album. And that's kind of just how I remember being a teenager and like liking, you know, music like that. But this album does have, you know, it has pointy edges, you know, there's, there's some grit to it, you know, like optimistic and the national anthem and even like idiotic, like, you know, those songs are a little bit acidic, you know, Mm -hmm. and do kind of bring a little bit, it's not heavy per se, but yeah, kind of have that more driving guitar rock, um, guitar rock, guitar rock that they're, you know, that they started out as, and it, it, it is cool to see them kind of pull that back in, you know, and, mm-hmm. um, kind of take it from a different perspective and going back to like kind of the sad boy kind of aspects of it. You know, I think Tom York gets a lot of unfair criticism. Like his voice can be kind of grating or a little bit melodramatic, but like, I think on this album, it's pretty masterful, like how he yeah. uses his different articulations and uses his his register as is like an instrument you know and mm-hmm. the lyrics on this album are actually pretty they're speaking to things and they're meaningful but they're actually really pretty straightforward yeah. in a weird way and it's kind of interesting to hear he was doing with a writer's block and you can almost hear him writing himself out of writer's block being like all right well then maybe i won't get too flowery maybe i'll just say what i need to say it as the mm-hmm. exercise you know and so like well Kinda, Speak um, to that a little bit as well. He also was inspired by like data or data yeah. techniques and cut yeah. up and he, William Burroughs. The D yeah, he was doing a Tweety. Um but I and think also last one last episode too. Yeah. Yeah, I think he was also inspired. I think David Byrne similarly does the cut up thing. So he was he was using techniques to get out of that and it yeah. ended up being ended up being much more weirdly enough it ended up being pretty straightforward yeah, yeah. totally and it yeah. totally works and it allows his voice to do some really interesting things well, that's know, like because, a lot mm-hmm. of rock stars and singers that are like important to people well, it's like i'm glad you got that got a lot out of it but like at the same time i was just scribbling notes down and in my <laughs> yeah. journal and i kind of strung some shit together because i had to come up with a song right because mm-hmm. musicians are pragmatic you know like they, they they have to come up with something they have to like deliver a product you know so it's like uh, well we we're just as i think as a, as as a culture we're just too primed for like the kind of idea of like a bolt of inspiration happens and then you're writing a song yeah. and it all comes out in one piece and it's all magical yeah. it's like that's not how creativity no, works it's pretty it's, grueling yeah, like, it's 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 actual work, you know. As much yeah. as like a guy like you know, uh, what the fuck, Ed Sheeran or whatever is like, oh, I could toss off a fucking song in ten minutes or whatever. It's well, like yeah, that's not, yeah, exactly. Music, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about. You're a groove robber, of course you can. <laughs> oh, yeah, but I mean, artists like this, they'll put in the time, the effort to 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 put make the song craft good. And if they're struggling, like in this instance, they will find other techniques, other ways to get at it. And 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 ultimately that can be more gratifying because it's coming it is literally putting together something that's coming from the subconscious that's just that has no necessary rhyme or reason but it still fits as a piece and it still you know is evocative in so many ways still poetic 
yeah, yeah it's 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 an, it's a very powerful record in that sense. But I think too, Tom York, the way he sings, where he's like, "This is the only way I can have a good voice. I have yeah. to have that emotional. Yeah. I have to believe it. Like I have to have that kind of lamenting." that's the register in which I sing. Like, it's kind of like, you know, like, I'm not saying he's faking it, but it's kind of like, that's the only way I know how to do it. Mm -hmm. I have to sing like that. Like I have to. Yeah. It's like the Neil Young. No half measures. Yeah. Half measures. Yeah. Yep. No, it's totally true, man. It's like, uh, it's like the late great Dave Berman said, all my favorite singers couldn't sing. That's true. (laughs) R.I.P. R.I.P. All right, what's next? Go. What is next? Yeah. Do we all I, get our uh, our current thoughts off? I, I got my rocks off. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, the last thing I did want to say is like they do play the hell out of the studio. I know that's like such a yeah. cliche to say about this album and this band, but like the the board, the like everything. I guess they use three different studios, so all the boards like they're they're an instrument. You know, they're like kind of yes. the heartbeat of this album yeah um, it's a classic studio sounding album yeah so not which in isn't, a bad way it's true no yeah which is which makes it even more incredible that they then are able to play these songs live and came up with ways to work it because it's it's so put together in the studio it's so like computers and 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 tape machines and things it's it, it was hard to imagine how they would come together live but these songs rip live as well i gotta say i've seen them a couple of times now and they've played songs off of this and it's always really really satisfying to hear how they bring in some of those kind of more ethereal elements and how that plays in a in a large crowd or a big venue like that because oh, yeah. they're very 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 good at, at at bridging that gap between sort of the digital and the analog the live yet still, uh, you know, um, studio manufactured, let's say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You said you had some stories, uh, Noah. That, uh, what was it? You had a live story. Oh, uh, I was just saying. Then, so uh, I just... a wifey's corner, maybe. Oh no, that was for the whack uh, for the slappers. Oh, okay, we'll get to that one. We'll oh, nice. a little bit. No, I saw them uh, live at the. Uh, Coachella like in oh three or four. That was like a big when Coachella was still cool, I guess. I don't know. Was it ever cool? Yeah. But anyways, minute. I was saying his uh you mentioned his like his dance moves and stuff. So I remember they would play like nat the national anthem and they would have the a video screen of Tom York kind of dancing around and then the videographer would like loop it his little dance moves they would loop him with the the rhythm of the of the music so it was like it was kind of cool anyway so he's like gyrating to the music yeah so they would like loop him <laughs> that's great Anyways, cool that was it nice. yeah i've out. never had the pleasure of seeing them live that's surprising yeah i don't know i just never got the opportunity but maybe Dude. that'll all change it'll take the like the little ones, you know, a little rite of passage thing. Um, sweet. Should we hear some of this bad boy? Yeah, yeah absolutely. We still gotta hear it. Jesus Christ. Yes, we are. Burning I think we can. Oil. I think we can stick it to. Uh, I think we can stick to maybe. Let's let's do three. How's that? Let's do three. What I was thinking, if you guys will indulge 
me is probably a banger, a guitar rocker, a experimentaler, yeah, and a, and a sad boy. How about that? That's Sounds kind of good. the that's the triumvirate that makes up Radiohead for the most part, right? <laughs> that's yeah, yeah. I that's would say so. The formula. Yeah. All right. Uh, we'll start off with the experimental. How about everything in its right place? It just feels like we should start where the whole the start yeah. of this record. First things yeah. fucking first, exactly. Sounds it's good. like as someone who's very much into like synthesizers, electronic music, like there's just something about the tone and the feel of this little chord sequence that just mm-hmm. it really primes you for the rest of this record. And on top of that, I mean, there's the, you know, the drum beat, which is kind of like a heartbeat. So it's kind of like getting you started and yeah. very interesting. But then you hear the manipulation of his voice, which on other records, he does, a, he did a little bit of that, you know, or, or manipulating vocals or making the computer sing or whatever, like on um, Fit or Happy or whatever. Yeah. But this is the first time where he's actually like directly manipulating his voice in a way to 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 obscure to i don't know to 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 make it more noisy more weird more you know he's 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 fucking with it and saying like i'm not precious about my voice like it's yeah. like you're saying caleb it's another instrument it's another piece of tone that we can use to build something here which is i think pretty bold considering that he's so well known for that for his vocals to then just say like we're gonna just fuck it all up rip it all apart put it back together make it sound like a chirping robot at times or like right. a weird garbled little kid or something and it all kind of starts here uh as i said like it kind of just kicks open the door and it presents itself and says this is it this is what it is if you're not with us then or if you don't get it then then mm-hmm. get out now because this is you know i mean everything in its right place like come on like it's it, it they're telling you like this is where we're at now and this is where we're yeah. going let's hear it yeah, totally. I mean, we gotta go from the tippy, right? Yeah, yeah. That's all right. Classic the good stuff. Here we go. Yeah, Here it's like it the is. primordial soup of the album. Yeah, it, it's the it's the um, exactly it's it's the the carbon out there floating in space, just waiting yeah. to get put together. Yep. So here it is. Here is everything in its right place by Radiohead. I don't know about my headphones. <laughs> so already, right, he's, it's different. Already his, vo- his voice is obscured and yeah, it's manipulated. Yeah. And uh, and no guitars. Um, pesky get, guitars. Yeah. Did you guys have any time? I have a couple of times. No, here, I didn't have this one. I think definitely the beginning. Yeah. And then kind of where, yeah, his voice starts to kind of yeah. elevate a little bit more in the mix and it gets a yeah. little yeah higher. This All song right. that like Radiohead's always described as kind of like detached or cold or whatever, but mm-hmm. I don't know the musically their their synths are always very warm sound. So like warm, yeah. yeah. The way they mixed it all and just like yeah, the tone yeah. that they dedicated. Yeah, I think it's like a lazy criticism to call them like 
robotic no. or detached. Yeah. They're experimental yeah. for sure, but that doesn't mean they're cold. I think, and there's elements of coolness to the sound, but mm-hmm. like you're saying, there's there's a warmth to the, there's still a human heart in the center of all yeah, of it, no matter definitely. how far off they get into the electronic the electronic yeah. frontier. And you could definitely, that's definitely apparent on this song. So here's a little bit of the verse. Uh, here we go. You think that's a Sister Ray reference? Sucking on a lemma. <laughs> One of my favorite exclamations. Uh, yeah. I always think of the uh, the Simpsons episode where the mobster gets shot. It was like Johnny Tightlips. Oh yeah. oh yeah, and then he's like, he's like, he's like, he's like, who shot? He's like, I'm not saying nothing. He's like, where'd you get shot? He's like, I'm not telling you. He's like, what do we tell the doctor? He's like, tell me go suck a lemon. <laughs> That's good stuff. Uh, and then let's just finish off here with a little bit of the synth, uh, synth towards the end here. Yeah, I mean, even when you're getting some of those weird waveforms there, it still sounds really nice and it's not yeah. brittle or shrill or anything yeah it reminds um, me of that early synth stuff like Lori spiegel shit like that hell yeah. like that very warm sounding synth and to hear some of the critics at the time like you would have thought like the whole album was just that like yeah <laughs> right yeah. it's like there's there's bloops like some bloops and bleeps yeah which there's a lot of don't don't get uh, me wrong but there's nine whole other songs here yeah. right but that, even uh, within that song he's still giving you like a you know really a pop song essentially yeah it's a pop song with like like the uh, melodies there it sounds like a radiohead song absolutely it's a pop song with all of the detritus kind of like removed right all of the superfluous elements down to where it's just like it's core drum synth vocals Mm -hmm. and sure it's manipulated and and ran through the computer but it's it's still very much like yeah it's 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 a pop song it's very misleading because it's a pop song but it's got kind of this yeah. unique kind of uh it's kind of removed its shell yeah, yeah it's deconstructed but he's a good songwriter it's catchy that shit sticks in your head too oh yeah well like you know it's the kind of the old thing like any any song that you can play like a, a good song is a song that you can play on the guitar right and i think this one you could definitely play on the guitar or uh, the piano yeah. um which is how he wrote it in the first place and it would still sound great Mm-hmm. Obviously, it would be different, but the core of it is still there. amazing songwriting. Yeah. Ed Shireen will probably rip it off <laughs> soon enough. <laughs> okay. Oh, I got a uh, slap. Yeah. This song is Radiohead's best song. Oh. By you're far, by a mile. It? This is one of the best songs. By we've a country ever covered, mile. By your Covered mile. on the album <laughs> or ever covered on the podcast. The national anthem. Yes. And it's great. I mean, I wish they titled it something different because I have strong feelings about like 
our national anthem? So. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just joking. Well, um, see, our nationally, every country has a national has anthem. A national our anthem, national anthem yeah. is called the Star Spangled Banner. We're just Americans. Yeah, that sounds whack. Dude, that song is fucking whack. Not for the record. Star Spangled Banner sucks. Yeah. I mean, even like this land or something is better. Like, why you would you switch it to that? America the Beautiful? Yeah, like, why not? Yeah, it's a better yeah. song. It's got um, a flag. Yeah, the national anthem. This is this is what like I think of when I think of Radiohead. It's got a great riff. Yeah, that, that bass line. That's like the money bass line yeah. of our generation. You it's know? got that jazzy freak out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're even mar- horns, man. Horns. Yeah. But they stabs. Were, but I think this is when Radiohead re- reminds you that they were like, we're a punk rock. Like, we listened yeah. to Black Flag when we were in college or something. Like, it has that, you know, like when you listen to like Black Flag or like Minutemen, like those SST bands or, um, you know, like uh, Bad Brains or something. It's like, like those guys weren't trying to like make jazz albums, but you could tell they would do acid and listen to like Ornette Coleman or something like that. Oh, absolutely. Bad brains a, for sure. Yeah. They had a vibe, like a jazzy mm-hmm. vibe, like or like not even jazzy, but like an experimental jazz vibe, like free jazz vibe. Like just like well, I mean, that was like the most feral, like reckless abandoned music there was yeah. that was like popular. Like in that re- uh Miniman documentary where like uh mike watt talks about like listening to like john coltrane with uh yeah. d boone and he's like he's like yeah I, w- I mean a lot of information about music wasn't around then so it was like oh yeah like john coltrane i guess he's like punk rock too because he's weird like you know like they yeah. couldn't yeah. tell the difference <laughs> it's just like yeah. it's, it's less of a like, like the ramones and john coltrane a... it's it's something we got our hands on they both sound like weirdos so like that's cool yeah, exactly yeah it's about the attitude and the, the attitude yeah, yeah. yeah. Where, I'm, I'm here for the weirdos you know that, that should be the your, weirdos, yeah that should be your only like like ethos when it comes to music <laughs> like it's i'm anything, just here for the weirdos art, like whatever it yeah. is it's always like, the weirdos that are the doing the best coolest shit that's the damn sure. shit, yeah but the national anthem, this song's an all-time slapper for sure. It rips it, as as Caleb was saying, let like SNL performance. If you guys, if you out there in the audience, if you haven't seen it, go seek that out and watch it because it's well, absolutely one of their best yeah. songs and and one of the ones that they always go off on live. I love it live because Johnny Greenwood always messes with like a law. Uh, I was long wave radio, whatever it is. Yeah, it was like you... yeah, and he was like the modular synth and stuff. So he's doing yep. all like the the plugins and shit, and that's yeah. like cool because it's like a I... synth, but it's so tactile and like it's yeah. so involved to play we, it. Yeah. We were talking about Tom York's voice. This is one of the few times on the album where he kind of sounds a little snotty, like a little fucking... <laughs> a little snide. Yeah, a little punky, punky. I do. Oh. I have a timestamp, but if you play like the beginning, better. I do have a timestamp that kind of ties in with this snl joke that i've been hyping <laughs> okay well we'll we'll kick because again most of these tr- songs start off so super strong yeah. so we're, we'll start it off with a with a bang and then we'll get into that afterwards so here we go here is the national anthem by radiohead
That's some good ass drumming. The thing about the drummer Phil Selway is that he's so in the pocket and so good yeah. that he often sounds like it's a loop. Yeah, like, totally. It sounds yeah. like yeah. it's a sample. Like breakbeats. He's like the Stuart Copeland. Just yeah, like exactly. Up he's in just there. Tight. Very Him tight. Dude from the strokes is like the same way. Yeah. And it's just it works so well for them. You know, yeah. and he again, he has the jazz chops, he has all of these all of the skills needed to really make this unique and interesting but yeah this and then it's interesting because this baseline was actually written by uh tom york Uh, it's so it's such a simple baseline but it is so effective yeah it's one of those things where it's like how did no one ever come up with that before it's like almost like it's just it it was just existed and it was waiting for someone to find it yeah it's just like a hammer on and like a few other notes and it's It's, yeah it's literally what three notes and and that's it and and an open string Um, and it's just like boom and it has those like horn jazzy horn stabs and i feel like so many like cornier bands after this were trying to yeah like, like the gorillas kind of like base their sound off of this song like shit like like lesser bands kind of sure. tried to do this do you see that thing that was going around this week online but it's like an old interview with the gorillas and the dude what's his name abrams was his uh david alburn or yeah david alburn he admits that the clint eastwood sample is literally a preset on like a synth and a keyboard <laughs> yeah. well that's cool it's a pretty sick video so he's like and he has it he's like so yeah yeah check it out dude it's literally the preset for the rock setting <laughs> on this keyboard i mean that's i love shit like that because <laughs> yeah. it's like you don't have to overthink it man you don't have to fucking yeah. as long as it sounds cool and good yeah totally. but i get what you're saying you know like it's it's like this could be cheesy but to me it sounds like fucking yeah this is like punk rock shit or like, it's yeah. like the yeah no it's totally it's like yeah kind of that indie shit yeah. where it's like the profundity horns or the profundity yeah. like you know strings that would kind of come in and just it's be like, this oh, layer link 182 got a horn budget on this or like the fucking uh <laughs> the one that's like of our generation is the fuck that beirut album where oh, it's just like yeah, okay yeah. mr continental horns like yeah that's something take your hand yeah. off it I don't what know. I think um, I texted you guys. I was like, this is like cosmic black flag or something. Like yeah, that. yeah. 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 We were saying how it was like it's all punked up. Yeah. What was the uh timestamp that you wanted to get to? We'll play some more of the when the horn stabs come in. And then right. if you could play like like four thirty. Okay. I'll I'll I wanted to play I call it horn madness this section because yeah. it's them going off. Um well, this might be the where I it's it, this is around three uh the three minute mark so we'll get to the four after can you play when the 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 horns first kick in i think it's like only like 30 seconds ahead of what you just played I think. of uh let's see if i can get that that's very much uh tv on the radio oh yeah <laughs> That should be cheesy, but it's not. It's like spooky and cool. Oh, here's my joke. And your host, Val Kilmer. (laughs) (laughs) Musical guest, Nene Cherry. (laughs) Uh, She's like, this sounds like Saturday Night Live. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, rest in peace, Don Pardo. What was the band leader? Diggy Smith. Or G whatever? Smith. Uh, yeah. And then uh, who's the other one? There's another one that was. Uh, yeah, I just remember Diggy Smith from all the SNL reruns. Oh yeah, he rips. Four thirty, Mark. Four four thirty. It's a long song too. It like is. It's song. the. Is it's it the jammer. longest? It's the second longest song. So yeah. I also like how it's the only the third song too. It's mm-hmm. like, oh fuck, nice. We're heating up early. All right, here is four thirty. Musical guest. Buckeye Cherry and your host Val Kilmer. You mean Eagle Eye Cherry? Eagle Eye Cherry? Buck, what was Buck Cherry? Wasn't that something? Buck Cherry was a band, and then Eagle Eye Cherry is Don Cherry's son. Yeah, and then the Cherry. I was trying to uh, do the both Cherry's siblings, Don Cherry. <laughs> I mean, very much free jazz kind of vibes there, right? Like pulling yeah, from Cornet. Just maybe incredible work. Maybe a little uh, Don Cherry uh, brown yeah, rice man. thrown in there. Too. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> But I love that. What do you call that? Dissonance or something? Like yeah. That. Dissonance or assonance. Yeah. Yeah. And the cool thing about Modal like old jet or yeah, like the like blown out atonal, yeah. atonal. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Of. Yeah. And the way and it's it's just really respectful too. You know, like we're mm-hmm. saying, it's just like it's not corny. It's not corny, and they pick their spot, and yeah, it's just third song in. It's pretty bold. Yeah. That oh. this album, it was hard for me to listen to it all the way through because I kept going back to this one. I was like, "Shit, I think they blew it shot, on the shot third their song. <laughs> shot their shot wad. Their... Yeah, <laughs> it, this nah. is fucking the shit." And then I don't know if they've ever gotten back to that song. Like, is there Radiohead album where they just do that with like horns and shit? Like, that's uh, awesome. Or no, I mean, obviously on Amnesiac, you have that. Kind of more New Orleans jazz. Yeah. Not like spinning plates. This is a song before that. I can't blank on the name. But they never really, yeah. I don't think they ever approached anything that was this much, had this much abandoned. That like yeah, forceful. That, was, that blown out. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like Tom York and maybe Johnny Green on some of their soundtrack, on some of their movie oh, yeah. scores, maybe they get that out of their system a little bit more. Well, Greenwood oh, for, for sure. sure. Yeah, he's he got loves, that he loves vibes. Yeah. But I watched like uh Suspiria, the the remake the other day, and Tom York does the music, and that has oh, yeah. some some of that energy, that kind of freaky jazz stuff going on on that uh, mm-hmm. on that that movie. It's a the, speaking of lush, that's a very lush looking movie. Yeah. All right. All right. Do we have what do you a got? uh another one? Uh yeah, and uh, and we'll do the third for the, the sad boy uh jam on there. Perfect. Which is actually the the song after the national anthem, and that's how to disappear completely. Um this has long been my favorite song on this album. Mm. I remember uh talking to somebody in high school and being like, What's the song after the national anthem? That song is so <laughs> fucking sad. I love it. And yeah, so yeah, I just really like this song. It's just such a come down from what you know the kind happened? of propul- yeah. the propulsiveness of yeah the the national anthem and um and then you know and then the song after tree fingers is kind of like that you know yeah we should know, hear a bit of that too. tribute but it kind of brings the timber of the album back 
down to earth and kind of helps it transition into the second album. And, you know, and I usually want to pick a transitional song. I think tree fingers is more of a transitional song, but just like mm-hmm. those two songs paired together is kind of like this come down only after three songs, you know, you like, you don't necessarily need it, but it just like, it's kind of abrasive in its own way. Cause it's kind of abrupt, you know, you're like, you think you're going to keep going with some more, some more energy plays or whatever, but it's like, no, we're going to kind of get back to kind of just doing a more orchestral elemental, like, just ballad basically you know um yeah. are you and saying then orchestral or o- orchestral? orchestral same thing orchestral. Nah, just <laughs> i think it's yeah orchestral is what i want to say but um yeah, this song's very rule, no correcting pronunciation it's 2023 come on people yeah to each to each their own there's accents all over the world let's give <laughs> each other a break let's be kind just just be kind <laughs> call your parents call just them be kind what if, yeah, Tom York just doing like super cheesy, like woke lyrics? Yeah, he was an original woke guy. His uh, <laughs> original soy boy. But he uh, only sings about like himself, but like people he sings like about the environment. I know, bro. but people, I think it's about his relationship with the environment. But people yeah. like put shit on him. Yeah, way. all the yeah, time. Yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. And this is a cool song because this seems like kind of a more personal song, you know. I don't really know what it's about, but I just think it's just such a good mood and such a good vibe. And yeah, and like I was saying, the um, because there's Tree Fingers, but then the two songs after that are kind of returned to form, like this new kind of like mutated version yeah, of like the sure. older Radiohead. Um, and so yeah, yeah this. I'm yeah. just gonna say this song would not be out of place on OK Computer. Yeah. Know? Totally. Or even on the bends, honestly. Yeah. And yeah. And I don't, and then like the dev, and then the, the other songs like after this, before it kind of gets back into the weirder stuff, like, you know, optimistic and, um, and limbo or whatever. Yeah. Um, but anyways, we're talking about how to disperse completely. But yeah, the, the atmosphere of it all and just National Athena had stabs. This song has swells. Um, mm. so it's like the way they do the string swells or, and I think, I think there's also trumpet on here, but I think it's like MIDI sampled trumpet. Is this one that has the harp on there Oh yeah. I think it might have a little bit of that. It has a lot of different submerged shit. Yeah. It's some Alice kind of train shit on this album. Yeah. yeah. For and this sure. is definitely one where Ed O'Brien shines kind of doing the, the spacey kind of, um, ethereal guitar work. I think he's using like uh some sustainer stuff, uh, Ebo maybe. Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely some Ebo. I think I saw an old video of him pulling out the Ebo. Um, but yeah, there's there's kind of their own trumpets, and it's just like it's a very emotionally overwhelming song. And I could see how like you know two or three of the members have transitioned to scores. You know, this is like kind of a good, mm-hmm. um, a, you know, early attempt at that. But even though it is just like it sounds like a pop love song or whatever, or like a coming of age song or something, yeah, it's still, you know, in that vessel. Yeah, yeah. I think it's this. It's yeah. It's a song that's about escaping, and it's about. uh, I have some note a note about this that's kind of interesting. So yeah, for sure. Let's hear a little bit. Let's just start. Yeah, I have some. I have some uh, time marks on here, but yeah, the jump. You know, like this was this is a jump heavy album. Oh yeah. All right, so here it is. Here's How to Disappear Completely by Radiohead.
really lovely baseline on that too. Yeah, that's this jaunty little jazzy baseline. Yeah, Colin Greenwood underappreciated basis for sure. Yeah, he holds it down. Um, they have a really good rhythm section. Excellent rhythm section. Uh, let's get. Do you have a timestamp for me? I can get a little bit. Yeah. Do um. Do you like do this part to like like another to the minute mark and then um yeah go to like two oh five. Here's just a little bit more of that. We'll let that play. Yeah, like when just like when the vocals come in, because it's really a sweet vocal delivery. So this song was inspired by a phrase that Michael Stipe taught Tom York back in the OK Computer era uh, when Tom York was having a difficult time with uh, the touring and the interviewing and all that. He said uh, something to the effect like, just just repeat this to yourself and it'll help you escape that moment. Uh... And he said, I'm not here. This isn't happening. So it was kind of a mantra that Michael Stipe gave him to kind of calm himself or calm the mood of whatever he's doing. Uh, and that became this the basis for this track. Uh, and it was definitely written back in that era. So yeah, there's a couple of these that are holdovers in this. This is uh, this is one of that nice. one of those songs. But here is a little bit more of how to disappear completely. That's like the checked out, like drunk version of creep or something. <laughs> yeah. It's like, like I can't even be bothered to articulate anymore. Yeah, totally. This is also the strings are also very Penderecki esque. Yeah. I think this is kind of the that first kind of the first time that Johnny Greenwood's experimenting with that sound. Um, and obviously it really works. There's just something so the balance of like the kind of comforting acoustic guitar and the bass mm-hmm. versus the un- semi unsettling strings and, and ambient guitar work. It just, it really sets the mood for this to where you do feel kind of that longing or that kind of like that desire to escape uh, yeah. just through the sonics of the song. And then you hear the lyrics and you're, you know, listen to the lyrics and it's like, Oh wow. Okay. This is a powerful, this is a powerful piece of, of art. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And then yeah, if you just do like the kind of three thirty to four twenty kind of towards the end, there's just it it's kind of it's the crescendo basically of like where this is what this is all building to. Yeah, absolutely. Here's uh, here's a little bit of that.
that's great. The interplay between the strings and his vocals, just wow. Yeah, very powerful stuff. It's dope. It's yeah, good stuff. I feel like that song was like used inappropriately in like two thousands comedies, <laughs> like like Ben Stiller and like Meet the Fockers. It's like I'm not <laughs> him. He's like, fuck, what did I do? I yeah. feel like that song was like overplayed or something. <laughs> Could be wrong, but it is a very I, moody cinematic jam. Yeah, I think you're Radiohead right, has been used a bunch <laughs> yeah. in movies. Yeah, oh, it's usually sure. to like signify like some sort of emotionally raw like thing that's Owen happening. Wilson parted ways with Jackie Chan on Shanghai Nights. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, it's good. Uh, pool. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, they definitely, yes, they definitely got placed in that context quite a bit. Yeah. I'm trying to think. There's like a one of those, like, I love you, man, or one of those. Yeah, it was like used that ironically that. or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. One of those Jim Carrey or. Was Tom York ever in a movie? Hmm. That's a good uh, I don't think so. West. It's like one of those, like, Appitalian. No romances where they keep, that. they keep mentioning Radiohead and then at the end, like, Tom York's like, I just love just love each other. Just... No, that should probably should probably <laughs> annoy the hell out of him. It's all you gotta do. Yeah, I don't think he's ever. I think like, he's thank just you, done Tom the... York. He's no Dave Matthews. He wouldn't stoop to <laughs> oh boy to doing that. Uh, right. Yeah, I think he sticks to the soundtracks. Uh, Adrian, play us one more song, then we'll yeah we'll, uh, rate it. So let's hear. We're here a little bit of podcast. <laughs> let's uh let's just get played out with a little bit of tree fingers here just a little vibey yeah you notice to get us to the get us to the finish and line. whatever's been said about idiotech on this podcast and other comments let's just let that be already said that's a optimistic. great song optimistic school yeah it's very you know And the thing is, it's it's not like it's a thirty second interlude or something. It's it's a song. It's you know, yeah, three and a half minutes. It. Yeah, it's a full ass song. Yeah, okay. Let's just play a little bit of the other songs we tried. Here's a little bit of optimistic, and then we'll play a little. Play bit the play the end of optimistic into lim in limbo. Yeah, this is that's a perfect perfect segue. I don't think it's a whack, but there is this that a little yeah. I was telling Kevin English acid jazz mad lib mad lib. Yeah. Blue note or something. It's kind of a uh I, I imagine it's probably like a DJ Shadow yeah. thing that they ripped yeah. here. It's a little showy. That's all. Bam, bam. And then into yeah. Kind of a different kind of jazzy thing. It kinda here. has like a yeah. be like in a guy Ritchie movie, like a little, yeah, yeah, a little yeah, heist yeah. or something. For sure. For sure. <laughs> Um, and then here, here, just to, to finish this off here, here cheeky is bastard. It's cheeky. That's what it is. It's not a very cheeky album, but I don't know. It's a little jarring, but it's fine. It doesn't ruin yeah. anything in any way, shape or form. Uh, so here is idiotique. Yeah, 
until I bust, until I bust. <laughs> Laugh until my uh, head comes off. Great song. That one is that one's interesting because it samples two computer music pieces. So one by Paul Lansky and then another by Arthur Krieger, both of which were taken from a, a record called Electronic Music Winners that uh, right. Johnny Greenwood stumbled upon. Uh, from the mid seventies, uh, he yeah. found it while they were re- recording this, and he thought this is a great piece here for this song. And that's a good song, yeah. So classic, good lyrics go. too. Very, very. Pop. All right, let's very rate forward, it. Mission driven. I mean, there's only one number that comes to mind. Seven. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No. I. I'll start us off. I. You know. I got to go ten. Uh, yeah, it's hard not to go ten. I mean, like you're saying, there's we were saying earlier, there's no there's no fat on this record. It's even like the meandering parts. It all is of a piece. It all makes sense. Yeah. It all fits together. There's no weak song here. There's no you know superfluous yeah. bullshit. It's just a great piece of art, a perfect piece of art. Superfluous bullshit. It. Wasn't that an EP they came out with? Yeah, that's my new like, EP. Nineteen ninety eight. Check it out, my new label. Uh, it's coming out in the summertime. Oh, that's the Adrian's label. Superfluous bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Um. No, but ten. Come on, you gotta give ten. It ten. Man, my head says ten. My dick says nine. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna go with my heart. Nine point five. Because the, the, the heart diff. is famously between the dick <laughs> and the head. It's a little, it's a little, yeah. Roughly. It's a little, it's a little bit of a Sergeant Pepper situation with me. Mm. It's like, I know it's important. I know it's good. But it's, it's, the Benz is my 10.0 Radiohead album. So the, this one's a 9.5. And I'm okay. sure if I listen to it more and more, because I haven't, I haven't listened to it in years. I don't know if you ask me next week and I listen to it every day for the next week, I'd probably give it a 10, but as it stands, 9.5. Nice. I, I really, really think it's a masterful album. I I do. I will dock it. It's a a few small points because of the the weird um, acid jazz part. So I'm going to give it a (laughs) 9.8. It's a, it's a damn near perfect album. Very good. Yeah. So we add that all up. So that it comes out to about nine point eight, nine point seven six. Very nice. Yeah, nine point eight is hard to beat. Yeah, fantastic, fantastic album. Sweet, beautiful, beautiful, stirring stuff. Voice of a generation. All right, what's next? <laughs> you got so, something for us, Noah? Uh, yeah, you got a game for us, don't you? Well, we're running so fucking long. Well, the, dude, in for a penny, in for a pound. Yeah, might as well. I was gonna do a game where I. I named like some obscure Radiohead songs and ones that I made up, and then you'd have to guess which one's real. It's real, but we're running out of time, so I'm just gonna name the ones I made up, and you tell me <laughs> nice. if it's tell me if it's a slap or a whack. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, or if it's believable or not. Okay, don't CC me. Eh, that's that's mm, borderline. Borderline. That's a whack. Yeah. D Boone or how I learned to love. <laughs> that's a good song title. I don't know if it works for Radiohead, but that, I'm going to say that one's that one slaps. That's a slapper. Yeah, bullets for bananas. <laughs> that's like a yeah. That that could be on um 
Pablo. Pablo. Pablo yeah, honey. That's a Pablo. Yeah. Cryptozoology. Oh, that's a great. Ooh. Yeah, that could be on any of their albums. That's a what? That's a. That's a I would slap. say that's like a bonus track on. Uh, yeah. On um <laughs> on uh uh, uh Hail to the Thief. Yeah. Tolstoy's Ghost. <laughs> that one could be that one. That, I like that one. That's a. That's like an extended me. jam. That was kind of cut yeah. from in limbs. Okay, here's yeah. one. It's called King <laughs> yeah. of Limbs. King of here's, limbs. W- here's one, but don't judge it until I spell it for you. Craft single spelled K R F T S N G L E. One word. Uh, yes, one word. Uh, oh. Stylized like that. That that's sick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's great. Okay, it's kind of like a about, winky thing. How about this one? Pyramid upside down. Uh, okay, I got the pyramid song. Yeah. It's not too far, but I can picture it again. Another uh, that's like an okay computer error B side. That's on the um, was that the calm lag EP reverse mortuary? <laughs> what does that even mean? I don't know what that means. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. You go, you go there. To <laughs> don't we live? Isn't, Isn't that, that just everywhere where you're not? I think dead? I was gonna say reverse mortgage, but then <laughs> I thought that was too. You had Tom Selleck on the brain, too obvious. Uh, park cars at the filling station. Hmm. It's too that's that's like a that's like a soundtrack, or like yeah. a, that's like a Tom York soundtrack song. Golf club music. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good. That would be like an interstitial, like a, just a little ambient patch piece. <laughs> yeah, John Carpenter's The Carpenter. <laughs> uh. That's a how did a John Carpenter song get in here? I don't know. That's weird. Well, I you know what? These like are, some of these are the kind of veering onto like '90s, like like screamo bands. Like, <laughs> yeah, or like minus like, the bear or something. Yeah, kind of just like how about clever. Lynchy and Lynch Lynchpin. <laughs> I like. I'm gonna steal that. That's that's mine now. That's great. Yeah, you guys, you know these guys are big David Lynch fans. The world is a MacGuffin. <laughs> I like this little movie suite. <laughs> In the world, <laughs> you know what that means. Hitchcock, that's true, bro. <laughs> no, they, I, I would never bro. say bro. Instead of Hitchcock, true fun. I, uh, that's true, mate. Now I'm just maybe? doing puns. Okay, how about this one? Pornographic simulacrum. That could be legit. That that one could be, be pretty legit. good. I'd be like on the eraser. How about, <laughs> yeah. How about laminated lamentations? That's like backpack rap line. Laminated (laughs) lamentation. Laminated lamentation. All right. Cut it all out. (laughs) That was a good game. That was fun. We need more of that. Yeah. We need more of that. That was a fun game. Radiohead, whatever happened to them? Don't don't, some people say that in uh, in Rainbows is their best album. Is that an opinion I made up in my head? No, nobody says that. No, I think people do say that it's like their most cohesive or yeah, uh, but I don't know if it's their best. I think people say it's like, I think they they do okay. Yeah, I think they do say it's the best. But it to has me, a that's strong following. Am I right? Yeah, it, that's a that's a bold. If you bold missed out statement. on OK Computer and Kid A, I guess it's like your Radiohead up. Like yeah, like yeah, maybe game. maybe it's the Zoomers Radiohead. I yeah, don't know. Who aged knows? age thing. The young yeah. millennials. Yeah, it's a cool album. I don't know. I haven't listened to it. Anymore. I need to. I need to re-listen to it. I haven't listened to it in forever. I listened to that in front of Adrian's house. Oh yeah, for the first time. Weed. Yeah. 
It's a classic. The cul-de-sac. That's a classic boy place to listen to music. Oh yeah. A lot of good times there. A lot of good times. Cold cold sack. Cold as sack. That could be a, a song. Cold. Cold cold ass cold, sack. Cold, cold ass sack. sack. <laughs> cold ass sack. Cold. Oh, I should have sang them. That's Freeze. where I went wrong. <laughs> I mean, looking at some of their song titles, I mean, they have a song called Two Plus Two Equals Five. So, yeah, they have dumb song titles. <laughs> Go well, to sleep. I don't think they care. I think they're that's just what like, I was whatever. getting at. They're there. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Well, I, a wolf right. at the door. Go. All right. Go, Caleb. Go. <laughs> so, join us next time as we stay in this cold and dreary corner of the world and we cover broadcast haha sound from 2003. 2003 um yeah this is going to be for all the real uh, experimental dream pop heads out there so you know who you are come on back for that i'm really excited about that episode broadcast is the shit mm-hmm. yeah yes yes broadcast rules also does yeah they did soundtracks cool stuff yeah thank you for joining us thank you to kiki uh for a slap and theme song thank you to adrian for all your production work thank you to noah for all your games and fake lyrics and song titles. <laughs> we need terrible. more of that. <laughs> no. We got roasted. Don't say that. <laughs> don't say that. I think we did it, guys. I think we actually made the best episode we've ever done. So um, we will not be breaking up. So <laughs> we uh, passed our own Radiohead challenge. So, uh, yeah, thank it. you for thank you for these stellar numbers to our listeners. Uh, feel free to engage with us at wackerslaps.com or by email at wackerslaps at gmail.com or give us a follow at Wacker Slaps on our socials. That's Twitter, Letterboxd, uh, IG. Come out there. Talk some shit. It'll be fun. Thank you, guys. Thank you, listeners. And this uh, basically concludes the the Radiohead five episode suite. (laughs) Or six. I don't even know. I lost track. Epic month and a half long Radiohead. Yeah. So shall we never talk about them again? But uh, yeah. Thanks as always, guys. Uh, For Noah and Adrian, I am Caleb, and this has been Wacker Slaps. And as always, we leave with the burningest of questions. Who is Milwaukee's Radiohead? (laughs) Sweet. Bye. Yeah, play this as a little button right there. All right, shit. That was a long-ass episode. I got to go to fucking piss and shit and fall asleep. Piss and shit and fall asleep.